Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 215. I am Peter, and joining me, thankfully, returning, is Matt. Oh, yeah, it was missed. Yes. Yes, you missed the week of the bloodbath, and lots of bloodbath talk. <laughs> oh, fun. So Connor got slammered, or is that only bloodlust? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. No, I had a very long series talk last week about the future of, well, everything. Uh, um. Yeah. But, uh, yes, Cutter's also here. Yeah, yeah. Still knocking around. Yes, yes. Um, and we got a question. Despite what the universe has tried. <laughs> yes. We have some questions later. One of them is pertaining uh, to Connor's continued existence. We'll get to I, that. I have seen. In a little bit. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm excited. But <laughs> we're going to go through some comic books this week, of course. Uh, DC Comics Podcast, naturally. We are going to be talking about Death Metal Guidebook Issue 1, Batman 97, Justice League 51, and Aquaman 51. Uh, uh, yeah, that is not the issue of Aquaman. It's Aquaman sixty-two. Sixty-two. Clearly, I've just written down fifty-one twice. Fair enough. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we have four new books this week. Not a busy week. A couple of Patreon books. I'll be talking about American Vampire issue nine. Carl talk about Undiscovered Country issue seven. Um, and yeah, and this is a really awkwardly timed recording. Um, we record it at the same time as we always do, but it's awkward this week because we start more or less. I mean, okay, it's a little bit later now, but. We we came online just after the DC fandom started, so we don't really have any news yet. But I wanted to just kind of look at the schedule because we were supposed to do this last week and we kind of forgot because we had so much other crap to talk about, uh, you know, between the the bloodbath and the solicits and everything else. Um, but it's kind of funny that even though we're very very early on in it, um, we already have two trailers, um, although one of them wasn't intentional, one of them was leaked uh and four by three of all things i don't know what, what's going on with that um but we, the justice league snyder cut trailer did leak a little early um which i watched matt watched i don't know if connor bothered watching oh, what's this sorry uh, i was watching the new <laughs> gameplay for gotham knights that just dropped uh, well, snyder cut else. snyder cut oh no I, I don't give a shit about snyder cut i'm not touching it with a 10 foot bad call so <laughs> well don't well, well, fine, we'll get to Gotham nice in a minute. Just you calm down. Um, very morose, I, th- I thought, uh, Matt. The... Yeah, I, I said dour. It's yeah. it's the tone I did not want, and it doesn't feel like Superman's going to have a big role. So, yeah, basically what I thought before um, Whedon came in. Um, so, hey, at least they're sticking to what they said it was going to be, and that's going to be not fun. So <laughs> that's true. They're sticking to their guns. I, I can't. I can't say anything uh, else. Uh, I mean, there was there was you know, there was footage of Iris in there. All the stuff we, yeah. was meant to be in there and got cut at some point. Yeah, a lot more cyborg. Um, mm. which is after watching you know almost a complete first season of Doom Patrol, I got to get back to it. But um, I don't. I still prefer the Doom Patrol version of the character. It seems. Cyborg to me seems to work better in an episodic form. Was right. What stuck not, out to? I was say what stuck out to me in this trailer is that Cyborg's like like prosthetic attachments and and Doom Patrol does look a little bit in the cheap side. However, mm-hmm. seeing the CG again for Cyborg in this trailer made me sort of go, ah, I think I'll take the cheap prosthetics over the yeah, <laughs> over the CG. Least, yeah, because there, there's a fine line to where. Doom Patrol definitely feels like a TV show in that way, you know, where it is definitely a lower-budgeted type thing. And if you have a higher budget, then, you know, you're going to have a primarily CG character that's not 
taking out a mustache, right? Like, mm-hmm. at least at least go all in and make it look really good, right? Like, say what you will about the first Transformers movie, the Transformers are great. Oh yeah, the so, effects the effects are at yeah, least. I mean, I've not watched it in a while, but when I, when I saw it in two thousand seven, the effects yeah. did look fantastic. I mean, yeah, I know Connor just watched them. What would you say, Connor? <laughs> all Transformers, of them. everyone. Now, uh, yeah. The first um, one. First one holds up better than I expected. Um, yeah. It's not amazing in the run, but it's solid. Uh, they get progressively worse at town uh, over the next couple. Uh, Talk about yeah. the CG on the, on the robots. Oh, the CG. Uh, in the first one. It's okay. Yeah, okay. It's not terrible. So, it's, you know, for a 13-year-old I mean, movie. I've still seen worse in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They they obviously had a budget for CG, uh, right. so you know. So that, that's that's always my take that if you're gonna have that budget for CG, at least put in the extra work. And maybe the stuff's unfinished. Till I don't know. I don't care about the narrative. I, I used I to care s- about the narrative about this. I don't care anymore. Speaking of CG, so, actually, I thought Dark Side, who you see in the start of the trailer, looked a bit mm-hmm. looked a bit in the rough side to me. I don't know. It it looked video game like yeah. this is what the villains in Fallen Order look like, and that's fine because it's a video game. You know, it's not a big budget movie. Yeah. You know? If it felt like it was, a, it was like the opening cutscene to like Injustice Three or something like that, I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. And even Steppenwolf with his improved look, and he's just spiny now, mm. like a hedgehog or a porcupine. I'm like, uh, if you're excited over it, cool. I'm happy you're happy. I'm just, I'm ready to move on. And none of the other news that came out this week, it seems to agree with me. I don't oh, want sure. to move on. So, uh, I, I mean. The song playing over this trailer is literally "Hallelujah," which yeah, it's Leonard Cohen's "Hallelujah." I feel like I feel like it's almost like a almost too on the nose meta choice of for all the people who were campaigning for this. Well, I feel they're also like not not just that, but I feel like they're trying to do the Logan trailer kind of thing with the Johnny mm. Cash, you know, and a man comes around, and and that really worked, but for that story of a battered and beaten down man that wants to repent for his that's not justice league so i don't know why using glitter codes hallelujah yeah, it's not the first ever in fact actually i can't believe it i wasn't even going to bring this up uh, so you remember how michael keaton got added to the flash movie this week yeah. ben affleck got added to the flash movie and <sighs> I, I like my complaint keeps coming back to the same thing i don't want the first ever flash movie to, to be a flashpoint uh, adaptation and now that we're filling up with multiple Batman, like... So years ago, me and Pete got into an argument on one of the other shows we did. Oh, dear. And that got, it got deleted because it got pretty heated. Uh, <laughs> and poor Skinner was sitting there like a tennis referee, not knowing what to do. <laughs> and Pete goes, you know what? That's not good for anybody. We're just going to delete it. And my argument was uh, my fear with Batman is that they're going to start throwing him in everything. And, the, and I said... I feel the Flash movie is going to be primarily about Batman. And he's like, well, I don't think they'll do that. Well, hold on. Hold on. To be fair, this was a different era before a lot of things happened. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I just want to point out that my example that I threw out there. Ma- know, Matt's trying it. to make up for some terrible predictions this past week by, well, no, by showing said, good was... ones from the past. Yeah. It was just the... Um... Well, no one saw it. The only people that were there were... were skitter and pete so but it was always my worry that once it was batman v superman and then we hear that batman was showing up in suicide squad that we were just going to get batman and everything and thankfully that hasn't held true you know there's no 
there's more Superman in Shazam than there's Batman. Oh right? sure. Like, yeah. Um, and and there's none in. I mean, there's some in Harley Quinn. Like they reference it in the Birds of Prey, but you know that's set in Gotham. You're gonna expect that. And Aquaman, there's none. So I just someone that's as big of a Flash as I am as a fan of that character. And then Batman, and we all know how I feel about that. It's just, it's just, it's a bummer, man. I just that that being the idea for the first ever Flash movie is so, just in the same way that this first Justice League movie is this dour like superman coming back from the dead uh, all of it it, it it upsets me that said though on a more positive note just because uh, i've always wanted to be negative i actually do think the logo for the new standalone batman movie looks kind of cool yeah the font and the logo inside i thought it was kind of pulpy and it, industrial i was kind of into it someone yeah someone pointed out it's very gothic and we haven't had really a gothic feel we've definitely had like a um what's the architecture choice that you always see um, my my brain's not working today very well you know, it's, it's like the 1940s style architecture, Art Deco. Mm. You know, we get that from Batman the Animated Series. Um, this definitely feels like more of the comics Batman, almost like it, it, it is that gothic version of Gotham that's it being feels, held together by shadows. It feels like it took Nolan's sort of more sort of grittiness and then added in like a sort of almost steampunk-esque yeah, sort of feel to it. Gaslight yeah, is what I wanted to say, but I wasn't sure if anyone else would agree with me, but... I was getting Gotham by Gaslight font vibes. So, yeah. uh, that's pretty uh, steampunk. Yeah, yeah, I, I have faith in that creative team. So, I do. And, you know, Matt Reeves and even Robbie Pats. Uh, honestly, it's the one thing, because I, mean, I don't have any interest in any sort of continuation of anything to do with Snyder's mm-hmm. stuff. So, and that includes Affleck as Batman, even though at face mm-hmm. value, doing multiverse shenanigans is kind of a fun DC thing to do at some point. Yeah. But. Yeah, well, and, and Ezra Miller showed up on Flash, right? It's almost in Crisis. Yeah, that's true. And he showed up. Yeah, yeah he's, he's still wildly miscast, though, so I am, I am not even excited no, for this conclusion I know, at all. But, but the point. The, multiverse, the fact that it exists, fine, but let's move on after yeah, this. Yeah, but the, the point I was get the point I was actually trying to make, though, is that I actually. Like, I'd be more annoyed at still sticking to Affleck and still doing stuff related to all that, except for the fact that we actually have a whole new standalone Batman that's nothing to do with any of this. And who knows, maybe if they're going to properly flashpoint it, maybe, like, when Barry comes out at the end of that movie, it'll be Robert Pattinson standing there because he's changed things. <laughs> like, maybe they'll actually try and completely all make it fit together. Also, I don't know. Also, if they could change uh, Ezra, too. I know, that'd be great. Of course, it's... It doesn't have to be Grant. Like, it could be anybody cast as... I'd rather it wasn't Grant. To be honest, after seven yeah. seasons of that Flash show, I, I'm, I'm more than ready for someone else. Well, I've, I've seen a lot of people throwing that out there, you know, because he's a lot of people's Flash now, you know? So, um... But yeah, I don't... I was never a fan. Like, people do that with the Marvel stuff, too. Like, wanting the, you know, the, the mainstream characters to show up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm kind of like, just let Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. be its own thing. And eventually that's what they did. Like, yeah, you had occasionally like you guys watched way more of it than i did all of um, it in fact yeah so like you know they, they would bring in um the girl from thor again my brain today uh sif they brought her in and uh and that's about as far as in close as you want to go i think and I, I think the same goes for dc like it's cool to reference each other at that point in a multiverse and, and whatnot but How'd they handle that with Doom Patrol and Titans? Because you guys watched that one, didn't you? Yeah. They're completely unrelated shows. Yeah. Yeah. Even, but... even though technically there was a weird backdoor pilot of Doom Patrol yeah. in Titans, which mm-hmm. featured 
most of the same cast. Uh, everyone, was, everyone but the chief, basically. Yeah, everyone but the chief. Uh, that is basically not canon in the Doom Patrol yeah. show. Gotcha. I wasn't up with that at all. So it's not even multiversal shenanigans. That's just a different version of Doom Patrol that, that exists in Titan. Happens Titans to world. feature most of the same actors, but yeah, it's a different version entirely. It was like it was like. Uh... And I mean, obviously it was aired, but it was like sometimes you get like, the on-air pilot where they redo it because they want to make it better. Yeah. But they actually do have like a sort of initial like private version that they've done mm-hmm. uh, with mostly the same cast. And maybe they, you know, they have someone who's not oh. Alison Hannigan as well, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so if they if they throw Titans over out of morbid curiosity, I might. World, don't waste your time. That said, that said, I have so much stuff. I need to get caught up on. I yeah, you need that. Better fix it much. Yeah, no, I, I finished season one, and it's fantastic. It's, season two I, is even better. So, I'm not that big of a fan of Dark Knight Rises, but the fact that the Bane Full. on Harley speaks with that Bane's affectation <laughs> has made me really want to revisit Tom Hardy's Bane. Um, <laughs> and it's the one I, Batman movie that's not on HBO Max, so I'd have to dig out my Blu-ray, you know, uh-huh. and just, out of convenience. Bane in that show is, is fantastic. They do some great stuff with him in season two. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get there, but yeah, um, it's it is really good. Um, have, you, have you had? I don't know if it was season one or two. Uh, the bit with uh, penguins like nephews, bar nephew. Yeah, that's season yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, but no, so at least I mean HBO Max becoming the home of these refugee is almost basically like a Earth Two scenario, mm. you know. Like what? What ceases to exist? Well, no, I mean, I, I think we said this last week, but if 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 DC Universe like hadn't started when it did, if it if it had been like planned for a year later, it would never have happened. It would have just been right. like, oh, HBO Max is launching. No, it'll be part. Of, anything right. that was going to happen was going to be part of that. It just happened right. to start early enough that they had a couple of years out of it. But uh, yeah, so we also got the Wonder Woman trailer, uh, which just launched literally minutes before we started. And uh, this is the serious plot trailer that's teasing the villain, and we do get a look at Cheetah, which is the main thing to talk. There's a couple of kill action moments with Wonder Woman herself, uh, spinning the lasso and all sorts. Uh, but it's really all about Cheetah, and she's moving around quite quickly. I'm not sure how I feel about how she looks. All, all I can really say is that I saw cats, so it can definitely be worse. Yeah, sure. I, I'm, I'm not trying to give. I'm not trying to give too much. You know, it's it's a trailer. Um, it was a little bit too CGE. So, but maybe seeing Kristen Wiig in the makeup, you know, physically might make me feel different. Mm-hmm. But it, it just it is. I was I was just scoping for for some more news. Um, and there was a headline that says yes, Kristen Wiig is an actual cheetah person in Wonder Woman '84. I was like, yes, we're. The general public should be used to comic book stuff by now. Like that should be a headline. I feel. Yeah, I wonder if uh, like it's just a really unfortunate timing that the Wonder Woman movie with Cheetah happened to come out. You know, less than or well, depends when it comes out. Actually, it could could be <laughs> a long time from now still, depending. But you know, coming out so relatively soon after Cats, it almost has this weird like expectation of what Cheetah's going to look like on it. Um, although admittedly, originally it was supposed to come out before. Uh, and apparently Patty Jenkins actually said she regretted delaying the movie, and that was before the pandemic hit. So now that it keeps getting pushed back because of the pandemic, I imagine she's just kind of like, damn it, we should have just released last year, like planned. 
Yeah, she also said it's not really a sequel, so I don't know how that's going to fit in, because the trailer definitely makes it feel like a sequel. Yeah. Um, also, I learned from this trailer that apparently radar wasn't a thing back in World War One. Is is <laughs> yeah, that's sound waves bouncing off of stuff, Pete. They didn't definitely have that. Uh, aviation was, was, you know, still compass and and stuff back in World War One. so... I know when radar get invented. Yeah. Why would I know that? What are you going to use to launch a... a... Wait, in World War One, what are you going to use to launch a sound wave to bounce off of stuff? What do you, what do you mean, launch a sound wave? What? That's how radar works. I know, but... You're, you're launching a, a, a wave off of stuff, and when it bounces back, that's how you know it's positioned. Like, what, what technology would have existed in 1914? Well, I th I, okay, like, I feel like the point you're pedantically trying to make right now is that yeah. the, the satellite for radar. Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, not a satellite, but just the technology that would be required in the processing and stuff like but, i don't even think radar was around in world war Two. yeah but that's just like like i didn't know that technology did not exist at that time like <laughs> you're saying well how could they do it well clearly i just assumed that they'd made the technology already yeah. i don't well, know I, I gotta find out <laughs> no i'm gonna be vastly wrong i, I don't know you make it so there's some sort of big cannon that shoots out sound waves i'm pretty sure it's a bit more no, intricate well, than that yes but no yes but no <laughs> uh when was radar I just I was just making a comment that there was a joke in the trailer about, you know, Steve not expecting radar to be a thing. And I was like, oh, I guess radar didn't exist in World War One. And apparently Matt thinks that's so common knowledge that I'm silly for even. Well, I'm also a history that. nerd, so I also, you know. Oh, my computer's acting up. There we go. We're gonna we're gonna find out. In about fifty yeah. minutes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh wow, so I was way off. It was great. first practical radar system was produced in 1935, uh, and by 1939, England had established a chain of radar stations along its south and east coast. So uh, it was it was the Brits that first did it, uh, which makes sense given the state of the world in the 1930s. Um, yes. So, so yeah. Mm. Yes. Give it, give world War One is still weird for me with Wonder Woman. Like it's such a different war than World War Two. So. You know, they made it work, so we'll see how it works in, you know, what, 70 years later. Yeah. Now. I, I, I still don't buy this. It's not a sequel nonsense. It's clearly a sequel. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, because <laughs> even watching this trailer and, and reading that this week that Jenkins has said it's really not a sequel, I'm like, well, it definitely feels like a sequel. So... so this feels like some sort of creator, auteur technicality that we're, we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, Pedro Pascal is Max Lord. Still not what I would have expected, but he seems to be having fun with the role. And I'm just a mm. fan of that dude. And Nick Connor, he's he's in the mask most right and on Mandalorian. Connor muted is mostly a stunt. Damn it. Connor muted is because he doesn't want to hear us about the trailer because he's right. despite oh. the fact that he's on a podcast to talk about these things. He he's thinking he's right. he heals and saying no, I'm not doing it. All right. Uh, well, I'll just ask him when he when he comes in. Anyways, I'm I'm a big fan of Pedro Pascal. So mm. uh, um, yeah. So there is a, I mean, in terms of panels, there's a couple of surprise panels that might lead to some comic book news. Although apparently there's a second part of fandom now in like a, a week or two, uh, which may actually mean a lot of the comic book stuff doesn't happen till then. Uh, I know that, you know, right now, I mean, Connor mentioned the Gotham Knights thing. I guess because the Warner Brothers uh, Montreal uh, announcement has basically already happened. Uh, there's, there's stuff coming up. There's various movie panels. There's a, obviously a Justice League uh, Snyder Cut panel and all the rest of it. It's mostly TV, movies, and video games, though. 
so but there was a there was one of our Twitter followers looked at the Gotham Knights and said, oh, I can't wait to play this game except as Red Hood. So I was like, yes, <laughs> that's one of our people. Uh, there is a Black Adam panel, though, and The Rock was teasing the outfit this week, so maybe that's finally starting to move forward. Yeah, and, and they're thinking they're going to announce the casting of Hawkman, which is a Hawk fan now. Um, uh, I'm excited to see who they would pick. Um, Please yeah. not Landy McFlanderson, who you said at one point. I don't remember. I don't know. Was Army was it Army Hammer? No, no, I like Army Hammer. What's yeah. his name? He's in a Pacific Rim, first one. Oh, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Oh no. God, please not him. I, I yeah. He, he has no charisma. He, he can't play anyone. I, oh, no, I no, no, no. I take that back. He can play anyone to a perfectly acceptable level. He Are cannot go above and beyond for anything. You're saying he wasn't a good King Arthur in that King Arthur movie we liked? <laughs> I I like that movie in spite of all of its many many flaws. I would including just him. I would just like to point out when Matt says we, he means Matt and Connor. I am taking no part in this King Arthur liking. <laughs> well, it's Guy Ritchie, man. It's Guy Ritchie doing. It's exactly what you want it to be, unlike Aladdin. Like it, it is uh, unashamedly Guy Ritchie, and it's yeah, it's with swords. It, it, it's can you think of what what a King Arthur movie would look like if Guy Ritchie made it? Yes. Well, there you go. It exists. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. what you want it to be. But Charlie Haddam is King Arthur, who I enjoy. Looking at the uh, schedule <laughs> for this fandom, there's a hell of a lot of encores uh, where they're repeating the same things again. Uh, just, well, it's uh, probably because they just split the, the thing in two. Because um, obviously they did have a lot scheduled for over the full day. And they claim the reason for, for it was that um, there was a lot of overlapping panels and you had to you know see it live sort of thing. And people were complaining that they couldn't do all of them. So they've split in two so that it's more spread out. So there's not two things on at the same time or too many things on at the same time. Uh, so I guess the purpose of this means that, well, mm. okay, well, we have all these spare slots now that we've got to fill. So just repeats. Okay. Uh, so hopefully we'll have some juicy news next week to talk about maybe some endless winter stuff, uh, since that's what they've been teasing for December. Um. Yeah, hopefully a couple of books to replace some of those ones that have been cancelled in the solicits. Uh, but okay. There you go. Um, that's your fandom talk and uh, some movie talk, I guess. Which we don't always talk about here. Sometimes there's stuff that's interesting enough that we'll talk about it. Sometimes we're just like, nah, let's just focus on the comic books. Uh, but we do have some questions this week. We have questions because it is a lighter week for books. And I did put the, the feelers out. I'll take one from the email first. Uh, mm -hmm. from uh, Emil Kildy. Um, couple of questions here. I mean, one of them is a bit more of a common question, so I'm going to skip that one and just go with uh, the second question here. Um, but what do you listen to while reading comics? Movie soundtracks, orchestral scores, the never-ending voices of despair streaming in your head that you'll never really be good enough? Um, um, usually when I'm at work, it's jokes. my coworkers that are trying to talk over me reading. And I know how that sounds. But I feel like sometimes when they see me pick up my iPad or a comic, they decide they're going to talk louder. Um, so yeah, yeah that, uh, that's usually what it is. I usually like silence <laughs> when I'm reading. Um, sometimes I will use orchestral music to drone out the sound of if there's anything infecting my soundscape. Um, the one thing I definitely cannot do is read when I hear voices. If I hear people talking, I just can't read at all. It's just it's a, it's a complete yeah. no-go. 
could not read with my coworkers then. Yeah, no, I could not. Uh, so I, I got uh, the Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips pulp this week, finally, because it was delayed for whatever reason, and I'm trying to dig into it. And every time I pick it up to read it, someone asks me a question. So finally, I just put it away because there was no way I was reading it yesterday at work. Um, but but yeah, uh, I've tried to do music, but the music I listen to is not conducive to to reading. I'm um, I'm really not that fussy. I will have sometimes silence. Sometimes there'll be some sporting event on in the background. Yeah. Other times there will be music, which can range from score, orchestral, classical, metal, literally anything. Whatever just happens to press play on my Spotify. I'm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't distract me at all. Yeah, uh, baseball is good to read too because you don't really need to pay attention. That, yeah. That's a good one, and it's, Honestly, it's usually pretty mellow. Part of so. it is uh, I do have uh, tinnitus, which means that there is a noise at all times, regardless. Oh, so. yeah. whoa, whoa, tinnitus? You pronounce it tinnitus? Tinnitus. Yeah, tinnitus. tinnitus. I don't really care. It's, we, I understand what he meant. Though. I've so literally that... never heard anyone say it that way. So it's a wait, very is, common is, British way of saying it. Have, never heard it. it. <laughs> Anytime I pronounce something wrong now, I'm just going to say that's a very British way of saying things. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, it's the true. British way of saying it, then, if that's the proper way, is uh, stupid. So, I'm not saying it's so, the proper way, I'm just saying it's a common way. Is this, I don't know if it's a is this from way years of, of music? Or, uh, or what? Yeah. Is this just a thing? Uh, okay. uh, terrible not taking, wearing ear protection at a lot of gigs when I was younger. Um, tech, you know, being next to a snare drum while testing the sounds mm. prob- probably doesn't do it any favors uh, over gotcha. many, many, many occasions. Um, but yeah, basically that. So there's always a noise anyway. So um, gotcha. it kind of <laughs> makes no difference to me if it's music or if it's that. It's a paradox. Uh, basically, he has tinnitus because it's karma for the way he pronounces tinnitus. So it's just a never-ending loop. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll just finish up saying happy podcasting as always. Uh, you're a bright spot in my week. Love from Denmark. So we have a... A fan from Denmark, which is kind of cool. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so yeah. Um, so over to Twitter though. Do I have that one? Why do I have it? It's just in my other browser. Hold on. There we go. We switcheroo. Uh, so I think we have to take this question very seriously. Spend a lot of time on it. Right. This is Uh-oh. from at Sean Walsh seven four seven. If you could choose to remove either Jason Todd or your co-host Connor from existence, who would you choose and why, Connor? Now, this is a very deep question. It's a very philosophical question because I think he's right. Ultimately, it would be Connor, but why? Why Connor instead of... Because Red is fictional, right? I mean, surely there's no... Here, here's the thing, though. <laughs> Me and Connor have bonded over the last couple of weeks over hockey, so now I have someone else to talk about hockey with, so I'm not getting rid of that. <laughs> I, I have your back there, Connor. <laughs> oh, thanks. So hockey we're, hockey we're good. did something good for me. Yeah, <laughs> also, Jason Todd sucks. So, um... Yeah, my my hatred of Jason Todd my, my, outweighs. <laughs> my response to this question is basically just that gif of Larry David, sort of going. Yeah. <laughs> quality quality question, quite there, quite frankly. I best question we've ever had. I stand you by. You have a very low bar, apparently. He does. <laughs> No. Uh, so, uh, okay, from at uh, Res1980, uh, what are three 
new books you want to see with potential creative teams? And this is obviously a very common question that can come up at any point, but I think right now it's particularly potent because we're on the verge of new books being announced. Uh, so I guess what fills the sweet spots right now, um, and how the quickly... The obvious one for me and Matt is uh, JSA by Venditti. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. Maybe even just help the Saren on out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There for that one. That one's easy. There you go. I mean, I'd read a GSA book. I don't know if I'm necessarily in love with the idea of Venditti doing it. I but... just, I, but see, Venditti nailed the Freedom Fighters. So if he can nail the Freedom Fighters, I have zero doubt he can nail the GSA. So, um... I, I will also be a lot less upset about Hawkman coming to an end yep. if these last three issues are just setting up a GSA run from him. Oh, God, that issue last week was so good. I was furious at that last page because I'm like, no, yeah. you can't give me this tease as the next part of the book, and then be like, oh, by the way, there's only three issues, and yeah. they're cancelled. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh. Um, also, you got to work Tom Taylor in there. So I I, I want a Tom Taylor Superman book, uh, action comics in particular, because uh, then he could, he could play with a rotating cast. That would be lovely. Um, I mean, that yeah. would be great, but I mean, I don't think Bendis is ending just now, and it's not really a new book either. So. <laughs> well, I mean, we know Bendis was on his... You know, the, the back half end of his run anyway. Yeah. Uh, and that was a good few months ago now. So by the time they're announcing this, we're again another few months in the future. Mm-hmm. Why, why not? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, fine. Then I want Tom Taylor Adventures of Superman. Boom, done. Sure, okay. Yeah, fine. You want us to... I mean, I don't, know if, I don't really want another Superman book or another Batman book. I think if there's that that I want, it's I not either of those two. Superman book. Yeah. Well, of course you do, because you just don't like Bendis, but um, I, I, what I don't want really is, I don't really want any of the big three. Like, I mean, I know Wonder Woman only has one book, but like the big three, let's do other things. Let's do other characters. Um, Tom Taylor on my other anything. That's probably fine. fine. Tom Taylor flashback. Done. I'll take a Tom Taylor flashback. Uh, uh, Tom Taylor flashback. That's, that's my other go-to. Um... And then um, Jody Hauser needs to be up to something with Rachel Stott. Let's give them. Uh, what do you want to give them? You don't want to just give them one of the girl characters. So, hmm. I wonder what they do on Green Lantern. Uh, give me, maybe. Give me, give me a rotating Green Lantern book. That's it. I mean, the, Hauser and Stott. That'd be a lot of fun. I think there was rivers of. Uh, Cass being Batgirl again, so or there's been hints mm-hmm. of Cass being Batgirl again. I mean, honestly, Hauser and Stott on... Kind of along those lines, you know what I'd be down for? Having a Robin book again. Hmm? Uh, Depends okay. which I, Robin. You can do it as Damien book, or you can do it as Red Robin. Yeah, seeing... So, seeing how, what the future of DC is looking like with lesser books, I can definitely see them going to that style of book to where... It, it's not just one character. I mean, you'll have your Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, right? But I can see the other titles being more rotating where kind of like the digital titles are to where someone has an idea for a story and they get to play it. So, you know, Tom Taylor has a, let's say, a Jason Todd story, right? Because that's the one person that I would read Jason Todd from. Why not throw that in a Robin book, you know? Like, or a Gotham book in general. I mean, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I think the more lightly thing, though, is that because numbers as they go up sell less and less, so they're probably going to just do a series mm-hmm. of minis. So it would be... It, 
Well, it, yeah. Kind of like how Deceased is essentially an ongoing of minis. I feel yeah. like that's probably more likely what they do now. Uh, so they can renumber it and to one with every arc. And I, I guess that's fine too. And you could have some mm. overarching continuity that like Deceased that you don't necessarily need to read them all. But if you do, you get a better feel for it. Right? Or even White Knight at that point. How they're doing that. I think really that is the future on that one. So I'll give yeah, you one. I think rotating Give me Green Arrow and Black Canary by Chip Zarsky. I will take anything by Zarsky right now. Art by Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah. Zarsky and Schmidt. I think that would be really fun, cartoony Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, This is the first time I've read an actual Chip Zarsky book was this week. Really? Well, it was a book. It was a story. Yeah, a story. uh, He is rather excellent. Yeah. Now now that he's dipped the toe in the DC door, I mean... (laughs) Well, I've been meaning to get to Daredevil, but I'm so behind on everything else, and I'm still reading West Coast Avengers. That's my right before bed. I'll read two stories and then pass out, especially mm-hmm. after a late. That was good, man. You know, late hockey game. Oh no, I'm, I'm loving it. The the big monsters and everything, and you know, Kate turning into a hawk girl. Yeah. Jeff uh, Longshot. No, I don't. Um, I thought the Longshot was. I thought that was pretty early. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was. No, a start. I'm, I'm like four or five issues in because again. It's two issues at a time right before I pass it. Yeah, but it's that... only like 12 issues. It's less, it's yeah. only 10. There's only 10 issues. Yeah, I thought Jeff no. Landshark was like issue like two or three at, at most. No, we had, well, we had the Landsharks in the very first issue, but so far, no Jeff. Okay. I mean, uh, you're reading it now, I'll take your word for it. But yeah. I, uh, he, he also... had such an, a monumental impact in less issues than we thought. <laughs> yeah. Also, if, if Kelly Thompson wants to come over and do anything at DC. Oh, God, yes. As well, I'm, I'm there for it because... I, I've yet to read something by Kelly Thompson that I haven't enjoyed. So yes, I even yeah. liked her Gambit and Rogue book, and I don't like those characters. Well, I definitely like Gambit. <laughs> yeah, I should I should read that because I do like Rogue. I'm a fan of Rogue. Um, that book taught me and Pete so much about Marvel continuity. <laughs> yeah, there was so much stuff that Rick brought up that I'd never yeah. heard of before. You're like, wait, what? This is a thing. Oh yeah, wasn't there the two characters who were sisters and were like, wait, what? They're related. Wait, which yeah. ones? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember, but I remember they were at like a funeral or a wedding, and there was like it just casually mentioned that two X Men characters were sisters, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I bet you I knew that. I Maybe you did. That. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But but no, anyways, yeah, Kelly Thompson and and the artist on I'm I'm trying to blank right now that worked on Hawkeye, and it looks like they were, they worked on West Coast Avengers with Thompson. I'm a fan of that artist too. Mm-hmm. No, that was good in that book. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, I guess it's interesting we're starting to like talk more. I mean, because we already asked like who we take from other things, we were just naturally started poaching people from Marvel because we kind of want, I guess, yeah. some fresh blood. Kind of, you want new talent. Like a lot yeah. of the, the names at DC, we've seen what they can do. We're we're excited. Okay, they, if they stick them on another book, we'll be happy for it. But it's not. Um, we don't really have a lot of the big superstar names right now that we haven't seen on a lot of books already. Uh, yeah, that, like whereas with the Marvel talent here we haven't seen them do any of these things and that's more interesting. yeah so like i i love greg rucka but i can't think of anything off the top of my head that i necessarily want that's new come in well, I, yeah, like, the like, last book was fine you know anything that but, they announce from rucka you'll take it but there's yeah. nothing like oh i need this from rucka. i've never no. seen rucka do this right you, or even, or even most of it. I, i'd like to see fraction on some more dc characters after jimmy olsen and reading adventure man just yeah. because they're so different, and I, 
I wasn't familiar with Fraction before Jimmy Olsen that much. Like, I had read Immortal Iron Fist because it's one of my favorite stories, but that's him and Brubaker splitting that. So there's there's a definite feel to it. Um, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing what Fraction would do with a lot of these characters too. But at the same time, you don't want to just keep pulling all these big names, you know, because I, I feel like there's a, a life cycle almost that they, they do superhero stuff, then they go do like Lemire does, right? And then they go do creator owned and then they work their way back to superheroes. Like it's a, mm-hmm. a, a cycle. Yeah. So, Although notably, when, when they come back though, it's like these prestige minis, which, you know, for the most yeah. part, it's working out quite nicely because most of them have been yeah. really good. But, uh... um, but I want to see what some of the younger generations doing too, because that's what, you know, that's where we get a lot of these names. Like I remember when Lemire was an, a name that was relatively well known. You know, and now it was, it was like, oh, this guy's doing Green Arrow in the New 52. Yeah, what's that Let's young up and coming guy? Yeah, Dan Jurgen's going yeah. to be up to next. Let's see what he's going to do. <laughs> hmm. Which which book is he going to have that we're like, oh, still not an ending date? I hope right. Batman Beyond <laughs> just won't die. <laughs> yes? You were looking at the, the schedule for fandom, right? I was earlier, yes. Did you happen to spot a deceased panel? Uh, I don't know if I know this one. Why? Because Tom Taylor's tweeting saying check uh, checking out you know fandom join us for the mostly deceased panel with him Trevor Harrison Abernathy uh, a bunch of others that I don't you know recognize the Twitter handles immediately mostly um, deceased what did we call that if it's just mostly it says, deceased it says talking deceased Suicide Squad and injustice um, but I don't see any panel that fits that description. Uh, it could be part of the surprise one, I guess. But I mean, right. it'd be weird for me to like spoil like oh, that half of it's man. just gonna be this stuff. But what's up, Matt? Alex Ross just posted a coming soon Teen Titans image, <gasps> and it's well, we... the classic. It's the classic new Teen Titans lineup. Oh baby! Speaking speaking of Teen Titans, I need Stephen Burns Teen Titans book like right well, now. Yeah, I was just going to tell you too, Connor. He just posted a Wallace. I, I've just seen it. That's what reminded me. Yeah. Mm. That is literally um, next to the Tom Taylor tweet on my feed. Yeah. That's so, what I was saying. That way I see this Alex Ross thing. Yeah. I'm sure it's on my Twitter somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's on your Twitter. It, it came up nine minutes ago. So it's. If you can't find it, I'll send it in the chat. I'll just search for Alex Ross. Yeah, uh, there it is. The Batgirl yeah. costume in that Gotham Knights game is the Burnside looking one. Damn it. it not quite. It's kind of, I mean, it's... Mm. It's, it's that colour scheme, but it's not really that costume. It's closer to that than else. Although Nightwing's looking a bit bulky. In fact, all the dudes are looking a bit bulkier than I feel like they should be, but whatever. Uh, where's the Alex Ross thing? Oh, here we go, I see That it. is uh, gorgeous. Oh, baby. Yeah. That's it. Hashtag coming soon. Coming soon? That... Well, we knew he was... Because te- remember, we talked about it I think, I think it was two weeks ago where he accidentally teased something on his Instagram and then had it deleted yes, like, immediately. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm wondering if he's doing a new thing about the Teen Titans with someone else that who, he usually works who with. Who are these hands kind of reaching in? The green. I don't know, fingers. but they're green. Um, I don't know. Obviously, Beast Boy is, is, is especially missing in that image, but it, he could have been cut off. Um, yeah, because this is just, uh, yeah, it's worth mentioning, this image, this image that he's posted is very just like a small section of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. it could it could be Beast Boy who's transformed into some sort of big gorilla or something like that, I don't know. It could be, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but no, that is intriguing. Uh, some sort of mini series with Alex Ross art, which is kind of a rare thing. Uh, so it's it's always special. Yeah, because we did speculate this would be the thing with uh Wade. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, I'm sure we'll find out in the next day or so. Hey, I'll take a four issue mini with Wade Something. and Alex Ross. Yeah. Um, do you guys know about how bulky they look in Gotham Knights? Yeah. In Red Hood, looking like John Cena. <laughs> like, that's a bulky dude man nightwing's a little bit more you know uh, like aerialist build um but yeah i can't uh click in the trailer to see it just because the, the audio playing uh you know copyright. Uh, see, i'll send you a, a tweet with just the um the images of the character designs uh i said well i've seen one from uh someone with the red hood robin batgirl and nightwing on it Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty. Yeah, I I don't think the the bagger one is really the Burnside costume. It's that color scheme, but other than that, it's not. It, it really. looks more like the newer one Wait. with purple. Is she missing a cape? I don't see a cape. Uh, no, she had a cape in the gameplay. For Did sure. she? Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Um, I don't mind the Nightwing design. He just looks a bit bulky. The chest. Like, looks... Yeah. Like he he doesn't look as bulky as Red Hood does. Oh, Red, Red yeah, Hood Red. Looks like he's tapped that venom. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Red Hood should be voiced by Tom Hardy in this. If that... Yeah. Hey, if Red Hood had Tom Hardy Bane voice, I'd like Red Hood a whole lot more. Yeah. I mean, you know, if Red, if they want to do a Red Hood thing and have it be Tom Hardy. I'm not mad either. <laughs> it's under his prerequisite that they have to cover his face for whatever role he does. So. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, we actually kind of dipped into another question there by talking about who to bring from other uh, places. Uh, but I believe the other question uh, was kind of not focused on Marvel, though. It was more about taking people from uh, indies and image and stuff like that. See, my, my problem is I don't read enough of those to know. Mm-hmm. What what's the specific wording of the question, okay. or are we just going with that generic vagueness that you just rolled well, up? I, well, I don't remember what the question was, this one. I'm, I'm saying this from memory. Oh, oh, you don't have it in front of you like no. all the others. Oh, no. Okay. Um, can I say Kieran Gillen? He he does mostly indie work these days. Can I say please not, never, thank you. <laughs> I, I I would like to see what a Kieran Gillen, like Damien era's heroes. It's like Damien John, like younger than his young Avengers, mm. just to see what Gillen and McKelvey... Because you got to bring in McKelvey for that, too. That would be the ideal mm. scenario, yes. Because I, I want to know what a Kieran Gillen uh, Damien sounds like, right? Because his kid Probably witty as shit. Yeah, so definitely a lot of tit-tit, like the tisk-tisk, <laughs> right? Yeah, a lot of how Tomasi kind of wrote him a lot about that. Yeah, so I I wouldn't mind that at all. Because I like Young Avengers, I didn't love it, but it was a good read. I, I so, still think that uh, Once and Future is your book. Yeah, I will. I'm I'm gonna get to it. So I'm good. gonna get to it. All right, ask Stanley Coder. Do you think with the potential New Gods movie, if we see it, I mean, <laughs> it's supposed to be happening. Uh, I mean, it's Ava DuVernay one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have the potential New Gods movie? We'll see more New Gods stuff in the comics post Death Metal. Well, Snyder's run is cosmic. It doesn't really focus on the New Gods all that much. Uh, honestly, my instinct to this would to be say. Maybe, but I'm not expecting it because I feel like, for the most part, movies and TV shows recently haven't really resulted in comic books doing anything with those characters. Like, think about the fact yeah. that Supergirl's going into season six of a TV show. There's no Supergirl book right now. Doom Patrol just had its book cancelled. 
Uh, in fact, there was a great post on Twitter I saw a couple of weeks ago saying that uh, all, all the movies and TV shows we know are going to be at, at fandom, or all the t- no, it wasn't movies, just TV shows, all the TV shows that are going to be at fandom, and only like one show, which was The Flash, had an ongoing comic book. Every other one didn't. So yeah. the Supergirl fans felt pretty shafted as well because every other CW show got like a full panel to itself, oh. and Supergirl's the only one that didn't. Now apparently it's just because uh, you know, Melissa Benoist is uh, is pregnant, and so we uh. really you know didn't really feel up to doing the panel. But and, and like you couldn't have done it you know with other people from the cast. Mm. Yeah, what about your love interest that we never got to see the payoff to because we bailed? <laughs> which, which love interest was that again? Remember the, the guy who was supposed to be married at first, but it turned out he was actually undercover. And he was very... not not journalist guy? Yeah, he's very British accent. Oh, uh, yeah, that was terrible. That was terrible, yeah. <laughs> I, I regret nothing about bailing. <laughs> oh, man. That bums me out. <laughs> <laughs> It's, do you know what, if you told me back in season one of Supergirl that they were going to do Crisis on Infinite Earth and it was going to bring Lex Luthor into the main like show and back from the dead and that the Earth was going to be merged with Flash and if you told me that even with that I was still going to go nah I'm good I'm done <laughs> that I would be like what are you kidding me but yeah. no they sucked I mean, the life out of me over you know years <laughs> yeah yeah I haven't even gone and watched Crisis and I feel terrible about it but honestly Matt. I don't think you need to. That's a sad part of it. I, I don't even feel the need I mean, to say you. I want to just because it is. It's crisis, it, right? It worked in a but, weird way for me and Pete as a good conclusion to yeah, those shows. Yeah, it was like a good like, bye for nice us. Yeah. Like, right, okay, we got, we got the crisis. We hit the reboot. Right, we're all good. We're out of here. Do, do you know what I think I'm at? I'm at the point now where there's so much comic book media, right? Movies and TV from all, both big companies yeah. that I'm at the point now where... It has to actually be good. I, I'm not just happy that it exists. Now it has to actually be a good representation of what the thing is and also have a reasonable quality to it. You know what? I, I don't even need it to necessarily be a good representation. I just need it to be good. Like, That's fair. It, like, you know, if it's good enough quality on its own, that, okay, it, it fudges some of the things, that, you know, it's not the that, best representation. That can be true for me. show a good movie, I can still enjoy it. That can be true for me too, depending on what the differences are. It, it, it's kind of it's case, case by case at that point, but... Uh, but no, it needs to be good now. I I can't just be like I'm happy I show exist little reference things that I know from comics. Uh, yeah, it has to be oh, good I, now. I had issues with that, you know, when I was watching Flash, and I didn't particularly feel that first version of Captain Cold was the Mm-mm. Captain Cold I liked. And someone was like, "Oh well, if Captain Cold, you should be happy." I was like, "No, you shouldn't just be happy that it exists. No, you should want it to be close." And that's what I always give Marvel credit for is that, from my understanding, they're not exactly spot on but they're close enough you know chris evans as captain america is pretty representative you representative know, you bring up you know? uh captain cold there's played by wentworth miller i just happened mm-hmm. to watch all the resident evil movies in the last couple of weeks uh Uh-oh. for reasons which i don't want to get into but uh he plays chris redfield from the games in one of the movies and it may actually be worse than his captain cold in terms of like just how much of a butchered I mean, no, admittedly, right. part of that's on the script, which doesn't really even strive to be yeah, the but, character. But, but but still, I mean, he he is a lot better on Legends when they bring him back to the Legends on on that season. Um, he's he's okay. He's okay, um, but the, the show notably got yeah. better though after he was axed. I I think yeah. his best appearances are the kind of return points in Legends. There's, mm-hmm. there's one or two later that were legitimately good and played. Yeah, once the show had actually, you know, knew what it was doing, it was at its, you know, mm-hmm. doing its best stuff. Uh, and 
those were his best appearances as Cole, for sure. Yep. yep. But yeah, so you shouldn't just be, and I think that should go with most things, you shouldn't be happy just because something like that exists. You should want it to be good. And that's, again, like I brought up Titans earlier. That's why I haven't watched Titans, because it didn't look, from the first trailer, it didn't look like something I was going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. You know? And- it's not even just that it's not just like you should be ha- not just be happy because something exists what makes it even worse though i think is something that has really started to irk me over the past like five years is that if there is an attempt at something you like from a comic book and it is completely a shambles and doesn't work um mm-hmm. you're looking at years before they try most things again i mean sure batman make it tried again like a couple of years but yeah or spider-man things, yeah spider-man right? like- but most things take a while before they'll try them again and an even worse case scenario is that it's terrible, but it's successful, and then all of a sudden, that's the version you're stuck with for years and years. Yeah. So, you know. so I guess I should stop complaining about being a Superman fan. Like the last really great Superman movie was the original, you know. Um, unless you count the Donner cut, which I really don't do because it's. I mean, I think mess. I think the vanilla version of two is still a, a solid movie. It's not as good as the first yeah. one, but I, I... no, yeah, but so because then I, I wouldn't, you know, I getting stuck with the the superman returns era mm. i guess wouldn't have been good ideal either um but yeah and, and you know i am gonna end up watching at least the first episode of the the new superman and lois show wherever that airs unfortunately i suspect so will me and pete it's so yeah. weird though because so, i have very little intention of sticking with it which is weird given it would have to I mean, blow sure. us out of the wall really, yeah. right yeah but I'm going to check it out out of more of a curiosity because it is Superman. And from what I've seen of, of them, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, they're they're fine. So. Yeah. Um, Simply, give me a good movie. Stop being, stop being cowards, Warner Brothers. There's there's a need. Simply existing isn't good enough. And to sum up the actual question, though, I don't expect a lot of New God stuff in the comics. <laughs> uh, just to actually go on to the question yeah, itself. Um, honestly, New God stuff doesn't, as a rule, Form that well it never has since the, the never original did. kirby stuff the that stuff yeah. sold on kirby's name alone the, the, every time they've tried it since then it's kind of failed mr miracle has been the exception to the rule and again well, that was because ba- it's that, not about the new gods right it's about yeah. something else uh, but again that was like a big creator you know prestige project that's what makes stuff like new gods work and sell well is that kind of caliber yes. yeah but but even then, I don't even think like the Kirby stuff back in the 60s, 70s, it, like it was selling based off of Kirby. But I, it, the reason that so many people love it is because it kind of became a cult classic kind of. Vibe. Yeah, it wasn't a juggernaut that, that, at the time. It just introduced no, so much it, Kirby's world building. But the was people, next level. the people that would go on to write comics, it was like what they say about the. I think it's, it was the Talking Heads, that everyone that was at that Talking Heads show in New York in the 70s went on to start a band that was moderately successful. Yeah, right? it was kind of a, a comic creator's comic. Yeah, and so I, I feel the same that the people that would go on to make the comics and set the tone for the comics we enjoy all were into the Kirby stuff. And and that's cool, but I feel like you have to be Jack Kirby to really make that stuff work, you know? Because um, it is insane when you look at it. When I try to explain the new gods to my wife, it's very difficult. <laughs> like it's very, it, it's, you have to get the mythology and science fiction and well, you know, say, it's his, kind his of like thor but not really was, his world building yeah. was something else that no one really is is, is managed he had transylvane a vampire living planet at one point uh, that so, is 
possibly the best issue of Jimmy Olsen in existence. Yeah, yeah. So, Transylvania. It's so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we'll make that last question. There was, a, there was a few more, but uh, thank you to everyone who sent them in. And we will uh, get on with comic books then, I guess. Um, I don't think next week has is late, so I don't know if we'll need questions, but I'll find out at the end when I actually look at the list. Uh, so... No, uh, it, it's, it's, we have a really big book out next week. Okay. That's probably going to take up a lot of time. should have news to talk about. In theory. And, and, in theory. In theory. Yeah. We have, we have a lot of books next week, just counting uh, one major one, which I can't believe Pete's not picking up on. Another oversized book. So, yeah. Well, I've been told that I'm not picking up on her done. Go There's check. a really massive book out next week that's been years in the making. Oh, Three Jokers. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the question, The Death of Age 4. Ooh, which, yeah. You know, I think that was originally supposed to be this week and got delayed, which is kind of annoying given the, the size of next week in comparison. Yeah. Uh, these things happen, you know. It's a, it's a ongoing process. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool, cool, cool. That is the uh, that is questions and news and speculation and movie trailers and I don't know whatever else we talked about in that last shambles of 50 minutes uh <laughs> but death metal guidebook issue one uh, i'll just we'll just say the creators as we're going through because it's obviously different stories the main one of course is snyder tynan and williamson writing um and this first story is kind of a i won't say super important because i don't necessarily think you need to read it but it is a nice little bit of supplemental material uh, sort of explaining how the world got the way it was before the start of Death Metal, and also sets up a little bit for the Justice League arc that's coming, uh, it, starting issue 53. It, it's really the what you missed while we were in between issues. Yeah. And it's perfect for something like this. That is a guidebook. It doesn't go necessarily too in-depth, but it goes just enough that I'd be like, okay, well, that's why this is this way. Um, it, and it kind of... And if you are reading everything else, so like the last... Uh, the, the issue from two weeks ago, the the Dark Knights yeah. book, where we were introduced to the Batman who is Gotham. I think you know, that that pops up here. It does, yeah. You know, I, I think what I'll say about these uh, t- uh, one shot tie-ins so far is that I feel like neither of them have been necessary, but, but I think both of them have been a, a little bit of extra context around some things. Um, I think the last one felt a little bit more useful now that 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 city popped up in this now when it mentioned oh this city that was sentient popped up in place of gotham i was like oh okay it's nice to have some previous context for that and uh get a real idea of what this world is that they're kind of through all these one shots they're really giving us a lot of what the the world is yeah Mm -hmm. i uh i actually much preferred this one um even like this this first story which i think is probably my least favorite in this book feels more relevant than the 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 equivalent in that first one shot where it was just a recap yeah. Yeah, this feels like there was a mission statement of we're going to fill in and we're going to have these little character moments versus the other one, which is a collection of Batman stories. I feel like Dark Worlds. I'm kind of in a sort of like, I think, balancing it about the same in the sense that I think I agree the opening story in this is more relevant than the last one. I think mm-hmm. I maybe preferred some of the small stories more than the last one in this one, but I still like some of the ones in this. I think, uh, I think I like most of these stories more, and also I, I like the variety, that we're not just stuck mm-hmm. with Batman mm-hmm. stories, or, you know, or dark Batman stories. This yeah, is you know, all the various things. Uh, uh, I, I was questioning last week that they felt the need to put shove in that Lex Luthor reveal at the end, and it's just kind of funny yeah. that this one shot the following week 
followed on from it. So I guess also, that's good planning what, in that sense. Yeah. Lex looking suspiciously like Destiny of the Endless. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the big flowing oh. green cloak. Which, which also Spectre-esque, don't get me wrong, but the book as well. And I'm like, this... The, the way he talks about the book as well, oh, it sounds a lot like Destiny's book. And Well, that may, that's probably by design, tying in Snyder and Williamson, you know. They might well be doing together. some of that. Like, it's Obviously, the book is slightly different. It's not the same looking book. It's not chained to him like it is Destiny. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But just the way he talks about it, you know, the talks about, oh, this contains all the secrets, and the way he just looks visually, uh, it reminds me a lot of that. Yeah, it's basically Lex narrating, we see the the world change, we see the Dark Batman kind of go after various heroes, how some of the Justice League fell in combat, how Wonder Woman sort of, like, surrendered to save the Amazons, and uh, what was the other hero that did the same for someone else? Um, but, like, you uh, know... Aquaman, maybe? Uh, it was Aquaman for Atlantis, yeah. Uh, which makes sense. So, uh, you know, how the other heroes got captured, and it shows you, like, the Sinestro Batman came after John the idea that he's been training, they've all been training to fight their counterparts. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we see like a Hawk Batman and stuff like that. There's one just using a flamethrower on Martian Manhunter. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no counterpart for Martian Manhunter, he's just a with a flamethrower. <laughs> hey, I, I do like, any, anytime I can get Monkey doing uh, Green Lantern iconography, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. there for it. So that page with yeah. the Sinestro Batman, or the Sinestro Core Batman. You say page, um, you mean panel. <laughs> panel, sorry. Uh, on that page, um and i i really did like the uh you know barry coming through to say batman you know uh through there yeah he's running from like cool. a horde of evil batman and he's just jumping mm -hmm. off a building and getting caught by the flash no there's a fun little sequence um and the tease of course at the end is that luther says you know i can't fight this alone i have to build a team and lobo's like well what team are you talking about chief is that i need to put my legion back together so we get a panel of uh you know his team and it says to be continued in Justice League 53. And I think that's did a good job of making me go, oh, I'm actually kind of excited for that arc now, if that's what that arc's going to be. Yeah, it, it makes it feel like this is a continuation. You know, mm. it's not just, you know, an event for the sake of event. It is the, oh, this is, we're going to have to harness Doom to save the universe. Yeah. And I like that. Multiverse. Yeah. Not, not uh, no, I, I, yeah. It, it wasn't like, and knock out the park story by any means there is definitely some elements to it that feels like it's a little bit paddy at the start as lex is just kind of monologuing before the stuff actually mm -hmm. starts happening but uh it felt like it was relevant it gave me some extra context for some stuff and I'll, it, it successfully teased the the, the tie-in arc from justice leagues i mean mm -hmm. art's not bad of course throughout uh i'm sure matt loved yeah. the reshaping of the the continents into the giant bat symbol if if the mission is to make me hate it, then yes. Uh, <laughs> and you are supposed to hate it. It's it's the evil yeah. Batman doing it. It's supposed to yeah, be we'll a terrible see, and thing. I, and I'm feeling like people are missing this. I'm seeing comments on Twitter and stuff, and I feel like people are missing the statement of because Batman is so, bad. It's you know it, it's so. Well, Batman himself is not bad. All all these other Batman are bad. No. Because but, Batman, the yeah. the concept that is oh, sure, yeah, the yeah, Batman yeah. who laughs, right, right, right. Because Bruce would not redo the continents oh, into a bat symbol. Although, at least I, I would hope not. This does upset me that uh, DC is not owned by Universal because then one day we can't have a movie that's the Universal logo except that the, the the planet is the bat symbol. Yeah, <laughs> we'll find a way. <laughs> okay. I really want it. 
<laughs> Give it time. If, if it's not Warner Brothers, it'll be Disney. No. Uh, true, true, true. Uh, so that, that was the first story. Uh, so, so I mean, it is a tie-in. I don't think it's like absolutely needed, and I, I think there's like, maybe an argument to be made that this should have been a single issue. I mean, not that I'm saying that I don't think any of the stories after this are worth reading, but more just so that it drives up the price by having all these extra little stories afterwards. But I mean, this could have just been like a twenty-page one-shot for a normal price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one felt important enough, I guess. Yeah. I, th- I think. If that was all I was getting for a, a, the regular price, I probably would have been disappointed because it does feel a little bit like mm. the like the the exposition lesson, the background, and less of a story. Sure. Uh, so in that context, I like it just being part of this larger thing where I mean, the others are actually little stories, whereas this is just the information. And I think you know some of those stories in the last one, like some of them felt a bit more relevant than others at the time. And now because the city popped up here, I feel like oh maybe a lot of those other little things they introduced, they made a point of introducing. Uh, maybe not the Bat Baby, but like the other ones will be relevant at some point in some small way at least. Um, and likewise, you know, we get this Harley Quinn story next from uh, Chip Zarsky and uh, Carrie Randolph on the art. And this was just kind of interesting from a just like, oh, Zarsky's doing a DC story. This is kind of cool because I really like his Daredevil. And it's you know this this you know Mad Max Harley Quinn uh, fighting a giant mutant version of Boomerang uh, who does get completely uh, you know bitten in half. <laughs> by a giant hyena so yeah i I do like this This is the story of her you know hyena named george yes right like that that was pretty cool um oh mike 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 Mike. yes uh what i will say just as matt speaks of his mate there is that like there's a really awkward reference to tiger king and i sort of groaned at it but then the editor's note made me love it (laughs) Yeah, because the editor's note said, uh, "Editor note: This story takes place when people like Tiger King," <laughs> and that made me laugh. I was like, "Okay, you know what? You saved it with the editor's note." Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying about? Were you... Well, no, I just I love how cartoony it is, and it fits with Zdarsky. I know he didn't do the art, but with with the way that his brain works and stuff that I've, ex- you know, I read I read some Sex Criminals, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. so I, I am familiar with his yeah his art style enough that. This felt very Zadarsky from Carrie Randolph, so that was really good. Um, yeah, yeah. I said, do you know about Zarsky with me? Is I had a bad first impression because the, the first day I read from Zarsky was issue one of his. I think it was a Spectacular Spider-Man, and it wasn't terrible, but I thought it was really wordy, and it, it sort of yeah. left it left a sort of bad taste in my mouth thinking that I didn't like Zarsky. And I tried his Daredevil and thought it was amazing, and I have loved everything I've read of his Daredevil, and I've read you know maybe like three trades uh, worth. Or whatever. Zarsky can be wordy, and yeah. often he does wordy in a way that he just rambles into jokes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that that can really work. It's like you, know, you you feel like what's the point of this? It's just going on and on and on, and then the joke comes, and it's just enough where it's still funny. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, maybe, maybe I'd, on a second try, I may not feel that way about that issue of Spider Man or with the rest of that run, but yeah, uh, Daredevil, and then this story here. Like, uh, I mean, I like this. I mean, I like as much as I mean, Daredevil's fantastic. Like, it's really it's one of the best books Marvel has going. Yeah. It's like a top, the top three Marvel book. Yeah, um, yeah it's, ba- yeah, it's basically man. yeah, it's that Captain America and Hulk all fighting for supremacy. Let's be honest. Um, I'm behind on all of them. Uh, <laughs> so am yeah. I at this point to be but, fair I'm like yeah. two months behind on all my Marvel that yeah. said though they did take a, like a three month break so I'm not as behind as I, I was <laughs> I thought I was yeah <laughs> it's good but yeah no I, even I, when they came back I it was love... only every two weeks they were publishing that's right yeah yeah well and also with my new appreciation of Harley Quinn too this feels really in the character like it, it feels 
like I feel like this Harley and the Harley and Batman are similar. Like there's not a big, you know, dip between them. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Because especially when when he chomps uh, or when the hyena chomps boomerang and it does the like the anime cartoony. Yeah, like, I it, love it, the art in that in, the way it switched. Yeah, really well. Um, because that makes the next panel where you know he chomps the head. And it's in silhouette with red and black. It makes that pop even more. Yeah, and given so. that Boomerang technically just died, I think that confirms that, you know, when they fix everything, you know, deaths don't necessarily have to stick if we right. get them in, in this story. Exactly. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, but, I mean, I think this, like, outright says it, you know? The... Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. This this was a fun story. Uh, I'm liking, again, this version of Harley. It's... Uh, it's it's kind of the version that was a lot of the Palmyotti and Connor stuff. It's the version that's in the Harley Quinn show. It mm. seems to be permeating to be the Harley right now, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it's a lot of fun to read. Um, and again, you know, this is the version that's been popping up in Batman. I mean, could um, it be that my problem with that Harley Quinn book wasn't the version of Harley? It was the writing. It's very possible. Maybe you don't like Palmyotti and Connor's writing stuff. Yeah. Now, see, now that I've read, you know, I've read Starfire by them that I really enjoyed. And now that I realize that Harley doesn't annoy me, maybe I should revisit that oh, and give it an actual try, you know. I uh, think um, if, if you uh, enjoyed Harley, the take on Harley in the Birds of Prey movie, uh, mm-hmm. then I think you'll probably enjoy that run. It's very, yeah. again, very heavily inspired by that run. Yeah. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not. Oh. Uh, the next story is uh, an Aquaman story called the... Uh, Umibuzu? There you go. Umibuzu. Umibuzu. Uh, Becky Clurin, uh, story and art. Um, art's very good in this. I will say that. You yeah. Know, yeah. Ak- trying to recruit this, uh, this this creature uh, with, you know, pitch black, red eyes, uh, you know, really interesting visual. Um, the Bat-Thulu, or whatever it's called, uh, shows up. Bathomet. there you go. Shows up in the water. Um, I'll admit, I'm having a hard time remembering what the actual point of the story was from memory, <laughs> and I just read it earlier today, so feel yeah, free to no, fill me it's, in. It's the fact that Aquaman, the reason he surrendered Atlantis was to save sea life, mm-hmm. and that he's going around trying to collect all of these things. So, like, this creature pops up, and he he says that if it's from the sea, he can communicate with it. But Baphomet makes him destroy it just to flex his power. Um, and it's, you know, it ends up taking a, a toll on, on Arthur. Yeah, I really so. like the art in this. I I, I did think uh, Clunin, obviously Clunin did both the art and the writing. So, praise our art here. Mm-hmm. I think her writing here is a little bit, uh, a bit overdone, I'd say. Yeah. There's almost could have been a silent story, except for mm-hmm. a couple of the, the stuff in between. There's a lot of monologuing, you know. Yeah. There is, um. I do, I do realize the art. Uh, shout out to uh, Tamara Bondolin for the, the colors. Uh, I think they really pop in this story. Uh, like like that, that very first panel with the, the kind of the purple skies. Uh, just it's so immediately distinct from everything else in the book. Uh, really like that. Yeah. And also Arthur's design with the collar uh, and the yeah. color scheme. Here for it. Sure, sure. So this, this is based off of a paranormal phenomena from Japan. I guess... And then it says, oh, I'm reading through the wiki on it, because, you know, for I'm sure. a sucker for folklore. <clears throat> and then it goes into recent sightings. That is, is <laughs> as recent as 1971. Is this kind of like a, their equivalent of a Loch Ness Monster? Kind of. 
man yeah it's weird. yeah but it's not as funny as canada's version a lot this monster which is the ogopogo which is ogopogo yeah, yeah. and, and again on that i don't mean in terms of the mythology because clearly this you know it talks about it, it's yeah. hungry for souls it has its own mythology oh yeah clearly. yeah just yeah, in terms so of the the enduring legend even into the the modern in, day in 71 in Okinawa, a fishing boat uh was on its way to new zealand to catch Shino when it um, in its long line uh from something from the sea appeared shaped like a gigantic organism and the ship's crew called it a monster creating a big uproar it had many gray brown wrinkles on its body and its eyes are about 15 centimeters in diameter a collapsed nose and no mouth to be seen half its body was submerged in the murky water so its whole body could not be ascertained but it was said to leave a trail it is said that it got ready they got ready to poke it with a harpoon and the monster disappeared into the sea so oh it could have been anything but the fact that they're claiming the the fishermen are claiming it was one of these is you know a pretty cool take on uh on on monsters and it's not just all about the dark batman right it's about you know even though this is a monster arthur having the compassion to want to save it from this you know darkness i really enjoyed yeah, yeah. That, like i said that's really good the sentiment of the story is really good i just thought the the actual writing the text was a bit over overdone um it's worth mentioning that there, there is pages in between these stories uh usually usually here you tell like pinups maybe and like a, one of these bigger you know anthology yeah. books but instead here it's kind of like it's kind of like fact stuff it's like uh, this one for example is like a list of locations with a bit of you know yeah oh. I, I they they all are they're like so that you had like the the gotham locations the, yeah. the, the seven seas mm. the, the the hellscape with you know the sub locations in them i kind of skipped over most of these to be honest yeah so did i but uh, it's worth mentioning oh, no, not me i love this shit oh of course not okay. read them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and speaking of that uh the next story yes Louis. is gorgeous yes. uh the uh damp notion on our and uh vitae i love uh, writing um yeah there's ever a story meant for me it's this one yeah so this is the ivy story with a small guest appearance by uh swamp thing uh, and an ultimate wonder woman uh, it's basically her. She's in the cage, you know, the, the in the prison that Wonder Woman's keeping villains in, and she wants to get out. She's trying to get out. Wonder Woman tries to stop her, saying that you don't want to go out there. It's better down here. And Ivy makes her way out. And can I just call this what it is? It's the Mad Max Fury Road shot of Furiosa in the sand, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with Ivy on, you know, screaming, "What have you done?" It's that's that pose, that panel, uh, specifically the way that you you had the the prose text on the left you know mm-hmm. not in boxes or anything just there yeah. uh so good yeah now i thought this was really good too and i'm not even like particularly like partial to ivy but i just thought this was really well written and i cared about it because of how well written it was yeah again uh whoever the colorist was i'm not seeing it here i don't know where the credits pages i've lost it um it's on the love last. love what they did here where the first couple of pages it's all kind of uh you know really muted colors faded the underground stuff and then when you get outside into that desert, it pops. It's so vibrant and, you know, mm-hmm. it's gorgeous in a horrific way because there's no greenery. Uh, but it's so good. Yeah, and the story ends with Ivy back herself. One room brings her some uh, some flowers uh, that she's yeah. found. Like uh, I promise. So. Yeah, the, oh man, the art in here, when I realized it was an Ivy story on top of it and how she would respond to basically the desecration of the earth, you know, by an evil Batman, I was like, oh, I hope she plays a bigger part going forward. That would be nice. Yeah. You know. I, I don't know if she will, but at the very least, this is a nice little snippet of, you mm-hmm. know, her reaction to it. Uh, but yeah, it, it does look gorgeous. Um, it's probably the best story in the book. 
I would say. Uh, hands down for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, no. Um. Really good. Really good. Uh. And then the next story is this the last one? I think. I think it's there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, is probably the weakest one for me. Uh, I thought. Yeah. It's. <laughs> It's priest doing what priest does, where there's a lot of subtext in. Um, I, th- I thought yeah. there's not enough pages for him to cram mm-hmm. as much of his subtext in here that he tried to. This no. is another one where I thought there was too much dialogue. I mean, it's, like, just an extra two or three pages, I think, would have been fine. It's Batman yeah. and Jonah Hex hunting the uh, the Joker dragon, basically, and killing it. And that sounds like it should be really fun, but honestly, I was just not into it at all. But the lesson is, is that because Batman's embraced death. Right, which is a it was just a nice take because he's taking the Black Lantern ring. That all these Joker dragons were something from the real from Earth that was, mm. and you know, so so Batman's trying to protect, even though it's this Joker dragon and it's trying to kill them. Batman's trying to do his best to to still at the end of the day save it, which I liked, but it took way too many words to get that across. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So, you know. Uh, also, Matt saying Earth that was just made me think of Firefly. So. Thank you yeah. for that, Matt. Oh, I did it on purpose. Uh, <laughs> um, I did really like the art in this last story, though. Oh, uh, the art, the art so is, yeah. is really good. No, the art is good. The art is good. I just didn't enjoy reading it, like, almost at all. It um, was a bit wordy. Um, uh, I didn't hate it, though. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll basically do it. Uh, that is the, yeah, the, the Death Metal Guidebook. So these one-shots aren't doing so bad so far, I, I don't think, mm-hmm. in terms of... Uh, and maybe that's the trick is having one shots rather than try to like do minis for lots of things or create these big stories saying hey here's five pages or six pages to deal with how ivy reacts to this make something out of it and someone went away and did a beautiful little thing is maybe actually a better tactic with these things uh just to see how everyone reacts to it and you know other little explosions it's, it's kind of the sort of thing we praise uh, deceased for a lot with tom taylor is that he often finds ways to show how different corners different characters of the universe are coping or surviving in the situation uh, or the tragic ending it is the case maybe in that book specifically because everyone's dying constantly but uh so you know maybe maybe there's some value there and uh, something to learn about how you handle these big events and crossovers going forward when it comes to you know tie-in so the main story is the main story and that's just whatever it's going to be but uh so all right uh matt were you rating uh the death metal guidebook um- I'm going to give this one a 7.5. Yeah, I mean, I want to give it more for the Ivy story alone, but I can't do that, so. <laughs> Car? I kind of agree. Uh, 7.5, dragged down by the first and last stories, respectively, I think. Um, all the ones in the middle, I liked a lot more than that. Uh, That's fair. I, I, I'm i conflicted because I think the first story, while not like a like a super standout or anything, I think it's a fine tie-in that sets up some stuff and teasy stuff well enough. Uh, Ivy Story's the top one, Harley one's pretty solid. Uh, you know, the Aquaman had a good art, but I wasn't really into the writing, and then the last one I thought was definitely the weak point. Um, so, I'm going to say a 7. I'm going to go with a 7. But uh, right. honestly, if if I'm rating tie-ins to an event a 7, I think they're doing pretty well, to be honest. <laughs> like, that's... A pretty reasonable place for me to yeah, be. Yeah, I think I gave the the uh, the one a couple of weeks ago a six. So this is, uh, you know, for me, a, st- uh, a noticeable step up. I think I went 7.5 in the last one. I can't remember. Uh, I'd have to go back and check. But uh, no, I, I think, you know, for, for standards, is for these sort of tie-in things go, I think, I think this is not a bad one to be playing at. I'm, I'm not annoyed. I'm not sitting going, oh, all these tie-ins. And 
yeah, maybe by the time we get to the 12th one, we might not feel quite the same, but I assume that given these are really playing into the start of all this, that as we progress to the later tie-ins, they'll tie into whatever the story's turned into by that point, and yeah. Yeah. So I was just looking for news, too, while we were talking. Oh, sure. Uh, the, apparently there's a leak of who the main villain in the Suicide Squad 2 is. So I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but if it's true, it's it's very inspired. Where where and would one see this? Uh, I just went to Twitter. Ryan Higgins tweeted tweeted a a thing out that if it was true. So I just clicked the hashtag and started scrolling, and I found a, a thing. Um, again, I don't want to spoil it for anybody that wouldn't want to know. Okay, but again, now. I fully trust James Gunn to do whatever. Oh right? shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be insane. For a suicide movie, Suicide yeah. Squad movie specifically. Oh yeah, like that's a villain that if in in other movies, other DC movies, I'd be like, okay, sure. That, right. I mean, it's still a but little bit under, out there, but under Gunn's guidance, it makes perfect sense, and especially with some of his sensibilities, it does. Of course, it makes sense, right? It's, like it's insane for a Suicide Squad movie, though. Yes, like, it's 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 kind of above and beyond their usual expected mm-hmm. level. Wait for Pete to read it. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Hold on. He'll get there eventually. Well, the tweet didn't actually link to anything. They didn't have any sort of link. Hey, do, do you need me to show no. you? Yeah, just just yeah, message me. All right. Uh, I will send you on, on on Discord if that's useful. Yes. Please do. I wish to see. Awaiting message. Awaiting message. There we go. There you go. So obviously anyone at home can go and just see this news for themselves well, if they choose to and can extrapolate our uh, our uh, you know reactions onto that. I mean, if... I imagine it won't be a spoiler for the movie itself once they start having trailers and stuff, but... Yeah, right now. I'm... It's really fun. I'm, I really... I'm definitely intrigued. I, um, I hope it takes some influence from a, a, a certain recent run. Yeah. Also, when you look at how big that cast is, things start to make sense. And also, speaking around, and, and maybe people figure out off of some of these clues, but coming from the guy that did Slither, this this villain fits right in. So, mm. yeah. Okay. All right. And I'm glad Matt waited till after we've done the ratings there, because when I cut this up for yeah. YouTube, it's going to be a pain if he keeps interjecting yeah, news. Yeah, as it is right now, you can always just take that slice and edit back onto the uh, the end of the first section. I could, yeah, I could. That's that's very true. Mm-hmm. See, um, see if he remembers. But there was no real news in that first section, so I wasn't planning on putting that up as an individual thing. Well, now maybe you will. Uh, maybe. Um, Batman 97, James Tyne the fourth writing with Jorge Jimenez on the art. And uh, more Joker War Part Three here, I believe, is what we're on. And this, uh, you know, more more Batman hallucinating, uh, talking to you know fake Alfred in his ear, uh, sort of giving up. More punchline stuff as well. The the proper introduction to the clown I hunter. Really like yeah. all this opening punchline clown hunter stuff. I think that's all excellent. I just and then the Batman, uh, you know, hallucination stuff is yeah okay. So. All the hype around Punchline, right? And I still don't have my Hellerism 3. You know, <laughs> You'll never get like, on that. Right. So 
I wanted to not like this character, but Tynan, with each appearance, he's doing the pacing correctly, I feel. Like, I'm becoming endeared to this villain. Yeah, I, I, I well... My favorite thing about the, the plunge, I mean, I, I like her threatening the, the, the grunts because they're scared to go through mm-hmm. the narrows because of the clown hunter. And I like the scene with the clown hunter like burning the, them in the Batmobile alive and all that stuff. But a couple of things on that. I love the lettering uh, on mm-hmm. clown hunter. It's just it's just a different font. Well, it's, it's a little bit smaller, yeah, rounder. Well, it's really effective. Well, sure. and, and it's all lowercase, so it stands out. Also, him calling the gas anti clown toxin. <laughs> I thought that was like, man, that's twisted. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, but what I was, what I was trying to say though is uh, what I really like about it is actually it's actually later in the book, it's a later scene. It's when she goes to uh, Joker, uh, when it breaks up in the middle um, mm-hmm. of all the Batman stuff, and you know there, she she mentioned earlier on that oh, the guy who's going to kill Batman, which made me think because she says who are you who are you scared of more? Are you scared of you know some kid you know killing you know grunts or are you scared of the guy who's going to kill Batman? And it made me immediately made me go, does she understand the Joker? The way she thinks she does, like as well as she thinks she mm. does, because I don't know if she does. If she, if she yep. truly believes, I mean, maybe this is the, the change. Maybe this is the time Joker's really going to try and do it. But I don't know. Part of me thinks that she's warped her own idea of what the Joker I, is in her head. The only way I can buy this is is maybe the fact that the Batman is no longer the Batman, right? He's not this right? myth anymore. Mm. He's Bruce Wayne. Maybe that's. Kind of ruined it a little bit for Joker. He's like, well, I might as well just kill him now. You know, the fun's over. I mean, I maybe could see that being the angle if if they wanted to, but, but also, I, yeah, maybe punchline's just wrong. Yeah, I almost think it's more interesting if she's just because like, she's this like devout like believer of who the Joker is, and she's like, you know, this loyal follower. It's actually kind of interesting if she's misplaced like what she thinks he's all about. Uh, but the the thing I really like though is later on when she's telling him about uh, the clown hunter. Um, and she's really pissed about it. Oh, he keeps killing her grunts. And Joker's reaction is like, ah, it's wonderful. This is great news. And mm-hmm. she's like, what, are we not going to do anything about it? Well, no, of course we are. You know, go send some, some of the heavies in and go and crucify them in front of everyone. But this is this chaos. There's chaos happening because we're changing the city. I actually, like, sometimes conversations with the Joker, especially Joker and his henchmen, um, don't, don't necessarily, you know, they, they usually go too far, whatever. I thought this was pitch perfect in terms of just the chaotic, evil, and playful side of Joker and the way he looks at the world differently. Um, yeah. And then, of course, I also like Punchline's reaction to Joker yeah. implying that it's finally time to maybe kill Harley. And she's like, oh. She, she, it's like yeah. the, the actual bubble's about effing time, but her mm-hmm. her the art says, the art makes it look like she's like a little girl who's just heard she's finally getting the ice cream she wants. It's like such right. a, you know, a, yeah. a, a cross just, between and them. And, it's great. and I think other writers fall into the trap of making Joker too crazy. But he has to have an idea of what's going on for him to be fully realized. That's why I like the leather, leather, blah, 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 blah. the ledger Joker from from Dark Knight. Right? Is he's a liar, and he's like, do I look like a guy with a plan? Where he meticulously plans everything out, and so, but he rides that line because then he also, you know, ad libs as he's going. Um, and here I feel like that that tone. Tynan really gets yeah with this I, conversation of uh, with punchline i also kind of dug when he's just kind of explained to her hey you know we made a move so now we wait for him to make his move and he's a little bit out of it so it'll take a bit of time but we wait because that's the game it's back right. and forth you know I, that, that's what i mean about yeah. the plan like he has this plan and he's not afraid to ad lib if he can he's like well yeah maybe it's time to kill batman but we'll do it in due time you know mm-hmm. 
but yeah, so it's it's I like that. And go ahead, Connor. I just say the the other reason that that punchline maybe says, oh, you know, the the person is about to kill Batman. It's possible she knows that he's not. It's just a threat to scare mm-hmm. the goons. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting possibilities there with that. That that yeah, like you know, does she eventually break away from Joker? Not because she becomes good like Harley, but because she realizes that the Joker's not exactly what she thought she was, what he, what right. he was, and she wants to be her own type of villain. That you know what she believed to aspire to be in the first place. So I thought all the Joker punchline stuff in this was actually really good, and it's, it's you know sometimes we come out of comics going ah the Joker stuff's maybe the weakest because they they overplay the hand a little bit or or whatever. Uh, this was not the case here. I actually thought this stuff was the best in the issue. Uh, that stuff was fine. You know, like fighting. Uh, he does a daredevil thing where he puts like a blindfold over his eyes because mm-hmm. he can't trust his eyes. Uh, it's a chance for Jimenez to draw a lot of big like fighting with fire in the background yeah. and all that. I'm I'm glad it was Jimenez or not because it looks great. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to get the cover that wasn't you know, this was very difficult. <laughs> by the time I got to my shop, they were those, those were gone. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah. Uh, that wasn't good. I actually I, really like the uh, the Harley stuff that comes after as well, like sure, uh, having sure. the sock puppet of of uh, Ace the Bathound. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's me, Ace the Bathound. <laughs> I don't know. That cracked me up. And then her giving you know Batman something to drink, be like, "Hey, this will cleanse your system." And then after drinks, it's like, "Oh, by the way, you're gonna trip balls first. Yeah. So yeah, I love that the idea. So they go to this Eden that Ivy has set up, which I love. Just the idea that. All the villains have a hideaway that Batman doesn't know about because we saw it with Joe, with um, Penguin, mm-hmm. right? That they're all hanging out at his. So the fact that Ivy has her own somewhere, and then <laughs> she basically gives him ayahuasca to make him come out of whatever he's in, and it just that <clears throat> cracked me up. Like, yeah, so of uh, course that's that why they trust me. Thing. I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the panel uh, the close to his eye, uh, just widening. Uh, mm-hmm. That that made me actually laugh. Just before I go on for it, because I'm still sitting on this page, uh, the, when Punchline and Joker are talking, I love the panel when she's talking about Clown Hunter. Uh, it's, it's, there's one panel in the middle of the page of him blowing up like a truck, presumably one of theirs. Uh, I thought the art in that particular panel just looked fantastic. Yeah. But the explosion behind him, uh, it's really good. But yeah, uh, so... Yeah, she, he trips balls and Harley's head goes Joker eyes and then sort of basically falls off, but it looks like... Or, or maybe does like a full like 360 clock... Kind of to motion. me, it's with the well. Jimenez has like an action thing. It's like it's snapping. Yeah. Reminiscent of, of Alfred. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what I took it as. And again, leave it to tie in <laughs> to clean up these these threads that King left. You know. Well, yeah. That... The, the final page, of course, is that Alfred's there because he obviously is tripping and he's going to talk to Alfred. And I'm not necessarily sure if I'm excited about the idea of a of a of a vision quest style issue next time. Uh, but I mean, Titan keeps hey, doing good with this. So. Okay at least with it it's only it's... one issue and not nine. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's not even going to be the full issue because it also says, you know, next Harley Quinn yeah. versus true. Punchline round two. So it's going to be interspersed with some you know, real true. world action. Yeah. Um, as, honestly, Harley vs. Punchline, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. Yeah. Me too. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I know, you know, it, it's taking me years to realize this in comics. Is like, yeah, there's certain characters that annoy me, but when you can just enjoy them, you know, in other ways, like normally, like years ago, I would have been annoyed by Harley versus Punchline. They're like, oh, they're just trying to sell. But it's like, well, no, maybe because it's time in writing it. 
or I'm just at a different place where I was like, oh no, that's something I want to see because it's been handled so well. And it's been set up. It's made me excited for it because of the first interaction, because of how, because of how both of them have like, and even just like small moments like this one where like, you know, Punchline's face when Joker says, "Ah, maybe it's time to finally Mm -hmm. kill, kill Harley. Um, Those little reactions from both of them separately whenever they talk about the other one has made me excited for the the showdown. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's just good writing. And you know, it doesn't matter who you like or don't like. Good, good writing is if it's good enough can overcome almost yes. anything in terms yeah. of that. Uh, see Tom Taylor and Jason Todd for uh, yeah. example. Well, of such. see also Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor. Taylor. As a whole. Tom, Tom Taylor Tots. Tom Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Taylor and and uh, Dakin from or Dakin and Wolverine. Same mm. same kind of vibes. Tom so. Tom Taylor is really upset because sometimes he gets confused with Tom Ting. Uh, yeah. So, Matt, uh, <laughs> uh, well, are you gonna give? Um, I'm gonna give this one an eight, and uh, I'm right high on him and his art here. I just I sure. really like it. Sure, car. Yeah, it's an eight for me too. Damn it! Stop lighting up with me. See, this is the thing. I want to be a little more positive here, but I feel like I don't know if I, I want to go to the eight point five because. You know, the Batman, you know, fighting all the Jokers in his head, whatever. It's, you know, that's, that kind of... That's what stops yeah. it being the 8.5 to me, that, you know, four or five page yeah. section. So I'm also going to go with an 8, but I don't like this this trend of all three of us having the same rating now, two books I in mean, Because now it makes my ratings we, actually mean something. We, we didn't have the yours. same rating on the last book. Me, me and Matt were, had 7.5 and, and Pete said 7. But they were around the same, you know. I'll be honest, I forgot what we rated the last book. I assume it was the same. <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> <laughs> I remember these things, or I think I remember them. Uh, clearly, I don't. Uh, all right, uh, Justice League sixty-two. Jeff loved no. this. Oh, I, sh- I changed the wrong number. This is your fault for correcting me earlier. Oh, I'm sorry for correcting something you had objectively wrong. Yes, but you made me correct it, and now I swapped the wrong number. So now it was Justice League sixty-two and Aquaman fifty-one, when it's supposed to be Aquaman sixty-two and Justice League fifty-one. All right, Justice League fifty-one. Jeff loved this writing with Marcos Santucci. Was that the one who read this? Yes. Okay, it was just me. All right. Uh, I saw it was a Black Mercy story. I was like, I should read this, and then I just with with fandom stuff popping out, I didn't. Please tell me why I should read it, Pete. Uh, actually, I, I mean, I like. I, mean, I also like Loveness's issue of Shazam, which you weren't as hot on, mm-hmm. so I mean, it's maybe worth okay. worth mentioning. Uh, but. Uh, I like the tone this issue has. I mean, it is kind of arguably fluff. I will say one art critique at the very first page is there's, there's this narration, right? We don't know who this narration is all throughout the issue. Uh, I mean, maybe we can guess, but it's just not like immediately obvious. Um, there's an issue. The first the first page is uh like Batman in one panel, Wonder Woman in another panel, Superman in the third panel, and it's meant to be all of them early on in their careers. And Batman's getting his killed off for some reason, which is kind of weird that he's on a rooftop with his kill off. But whatever. The problem I have with it, though, is I think it's meant to be his buzz cut from, like, uh, zero year sort of times, uh, in, ter- in terms of desperation. The problem hey. is, is that he looks bald. So my I opened this book and went, why is Lex Luthor in the bat suit? <laughs> was, my, was my initial response. Now, I actually think the art generally is quite nice. So this is not, like, a an ongoing art yeah. problem. It's just this uh, one panel, he looks bald, so he looks like Leslie. Have we ever seen Lex in the bat suit? Uh-huh. him in the super suit, of course. It's probably hammed at some point. I mean, there's been a lot of time oh, to go from. If, if people are listening to this and you find that, you let me know, please. Yeah. 
Also, I didn't realize Connor left because I started looking at Japanese folklore stuff. <laughs> uh, and I was like, he's just being very quiet. <laughs> he's gone from the panel. So yes, um, he's gone. But yeah. Uh, so uh, nice little touch though is that what? So there's a couple of pages of that just talking about who these characters are. Uh, and this narration keeps going, and it kind of starts to focus on Batman a little bit by basically talking about Batman being scared of endings, and he's always scared of where things are going to go. But even though this is a little two-issue fill-in, it does actually pick up from where the last one left off in the sense that they're on their way back to Earth in a spaceship, so it actually does kind of try to have some sense of continuity, even so though... editorial did their job. Yeah, even cool. though tonally it feels completely different, and for the better, I would say, I kind of like the, the feeling of this one, uh, and the art for the most part is, is quite nice. Um, the flashbacks have kind of a more a washed out look to them, uh, which is not a, you know, a unique idea, but uh, it works quite well. Uh, it shows kind of a progression of the Trinity through the years and uh, where they all are now, which is Superman revealing his identity. And, you know, the narration's kind of questioning, like, you know, Batman, are you, are you, you know, tempted by this? Do you, do you wish you could be honest and, and do this? Uh, but when they come through Warp Drive or whatever they call it in DC, you know, continuity, um... Mm-hmm. They're not at Earth. They're expecting to be at Earth and they're not there. They're, they're somewhere else. There's like lots of ships that have been destroyed floating around the planet. They go there to check out what's going on and there's this sort of creepy forest. And they basically find a giant Black Mercy. It's like a giant tree trunk and there's like vines everywhere. It's like, you know, like... And I think they actually kind of technically reference the... I mean, this could be referencing any Black Mercy story, really, but uh, I think they're referencing that first arc of Trinity from Early Rebirth. Uh, with yeah yeah where superman or one of them says something to the effect of oh we dealt with a black mercy a few years ago uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it was small and it, you know this this is huge don't let it touch you but of course one by one it starts like uh grabbing them and sort of you know entombing them and in, in, in the veins and and what the rest all the rest of it um oh it's really good again this this issue flowed super quick you know it made me realize just kind of how wordy the last arc of justice league was because uh, this flowed really well and nicely. Um, lots of pretty art, lots of good colours, uh, you know, nice money shots for Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash. They all get kind of their moments to, to look good here. And the narration, when we eventually get to it, the because Black Mercy, uh, it's not Black Mercy in the narration, but it's essentially saying that, but it's kind of Black Mercy talking through a specific character, which makes sense when you get to it. But it says that oh, it already kind of had the, the grasp on them even before they landed on the planet. It was kind of like, you know, it pulled them here. You know, maybe we'll, there'll be some context in the second part for how it did that. Maybe probably mm-hmm. not, though, I suspect. It's just that. It's just big and powerful. Uh, but the narration the whole time has been uh, like a sort of zombified Martha Wayne, um, which is fine because it's Black Mercy. You know, it's this, the, right. you know, you know, the, the, you know, it ends with Batman being in the Black Mercy and uh, that's Martha Wayne talking to him. Um, I'm the only one who can get to stop you, get you to stop. Uh, the idea being that it, you know, the dream for Batman is that he can stop and he can have a normal life and he can do something that isn't this, you know, an end in tragedy like everything always does with him. Uh, so that's the temptation. So it's uh, honestly, I thought it was well written. I thought it flowed really well. I thought the art was good outside of that one issue, that one panel at the start that I thought Lex Luthor was dressed as Batman. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I thought it was good. Honestly, like I think I love this. I've felt I've enjoyed the couple of fillings that he's done so far. I'd be curious to see him on something longer. But uh, for a little two issue thing before we get to the the death metal arc that ties in, uh, I, I find I'm definitely reading the next one. I was happy enough with this. Uh, I probably like it more than the last arc. So, you know. Yeah, That's might good. have to go back and actually read this now. 
I'd recommend. I mean, if, if you like, if you read it and don't like it that much, then I mean, there's only one more issue of it, so it's not right. A yeah, huge commitment. no, I just uh, I'm a sucker for a Black Mercy story. It's my favorite, one of my favorite Superman stories. It's from Man Who Has Everything. You know that that story hits. It's hard. I think my favorite so. thing about it is as this narration's playing out, showing all these sort of like classic moments of the Trinity, is it feels very kind of uh, omnipotent. You know, it feels very. It's got this kind of eerie feel about it, uh, and I kind of mm-hmm. appreciate that. So. Uh, I would probably give it. Uh, honestly, I'd give it an eight. Yeah, give it an eight. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So mm. there you go. That is uh, that is Justice League. Sixty. Fifty-one. Fifty-one. Get there in the end. Yeah. Before you move on to the next book, there's just a little tidbit from fandom. <laughs> uh, the the current director of the Flash movie, uh, because oh, you know, God knows how many there has been or will be. Um, just a quote. <laughs> Um, a quote from him: "The cinematic multiverse is going to be born out of this movie." <laughs> and it's uh, it says, you know, the film will lean into, will heavily lean into the idea of a multiverse, and is described as a time traveled story. And then showed some concept art. The first two pieces of concept art re- released. One is just, you know, a flash image, and the second is Flash with Keaton's Batman. That is the two pieces of concept art that they released as, as I... the first things. I don't like. I mean, obviously, if you know a multiverse movie where there's glimpses of all the other movies that are all otherwise disconnected, sounds like a fun idea and it's a good DC idea. Uh, but I don't want Ezra Miller's Flash. I don't want this connected to the previous Justice League stuff. I just or not. It seems to me like they're hedging their bets now, and I don't like that. No, they're they're using this as a way out. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Burn it all to the ground and start from scratch is my uh, recommendation. I think that's what they're trying to do. But doing it through a movie, to they're using the the movie as the matches. Which which is a fine in concept. I just hate that it's the first Flash movie that they're doing it with. Like, they don't give Flash a proper movie. Anywho, anywho. Yeah. Uh, okay. Aquaman sixty two. Jordan Clark writing with Marco Santucci on art. Did anyone else forget there was a two issue fill in on Aquaman? Because I did. <laughs> Uh, no, because I spoke about it in the solicits yeah. when I thought it had already happened. Why Kelly Sue was delayed? Yeah, I thought it had already happened for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but yes, two two issue fell in, so this is the first of the two. Uh, it's an Aqualad focus story. It kind of fills in some uh, gaps, sort of what he was doing to to help save the baby and what he's doing now during the actual wedding, uh, kind of thing. I mean, I like that they made a point of, like, sort of cornering something off and saying, okay, we'll have the two-issue fill and be on this other character, mm-hmm. set it in between. It's kind of a tie-in to what the main story is. Uh, it was okay. Basically. Yeah, I... I like Jackson a lot, and the dynamic of him and Black Manta, but it just seems... It really... This really felt like a fill-in. Yeah. You know? I like the the back half where he's in Zebel a lot more than the first half. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, like the the little bit like you know family history, him you know, hitting uh, it off with this guard. Well, yeah, that that stuff was all right. Yeah. Well, I I like you know the AI grandpa trying to explain to him about why his dad's the way that he is, you mm-hmm. know. And Jack's like, well, you, you know, you kind of messed up there. And he's like, well, you don't know what it was like. He goes, no, I I kind of know what it's like to be treated. Like I'm less than, you know. So I did like that sentiment there, but it, it no, I just the problem is it feels like a fill-in. Yeah, it's, it kind of detracts from the momentum that we had going from the last one. Um, and Zebel feels 
differently than what I remember. Like sure, yeah. So I mean, like, I know there's supposed to be a, a Spartan esque version of Atlantis, right? They're much more yeah. warlike, and so to it's, see it's their Sparta world to the Athens. Yeah, right. It's one of these circumstantial things where, uh, you know, Kelly Sue needed extra time to finish her last couple mm -hmm. issues. Um, and obviously DC don't want to just have it be gone for two months, so we, we have some fill-ins instead. And, you know, it's okay. It's, you know, it's maybe a little bit wordy in places for me. Um, like, the stuff, I, I, I kind of like him talking to the, the AI version of his grandfather. I know it kind of, at one point, it kind of brings in uh, sort of his experience as a young black man at one point. Um and I, I I think I saw an article in Drama saying that the second part was going to delve into that 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 theme a little bit more, which I think is an interesting tactic to take and definitely something to delve into. Something that you definitely can't do with Aquaman, uh, being the big mm -hmm. you know uh, blonde white dude that he is. So, um, I think that's interesting. Uh, it is funny because I, I get what Connor's saying about the the hitting off with the guard, but it, it felt like a sort of rushed little quick romance for the sake of this plot. Bizarrely, I don't know. It felt a little yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad it, no because it didn't go too far with them it was just uh, mm. it, it's you know there was just a, a, cur a mutual curiosity at first right as you know they're from yeah. these different worlds and then you know okay the 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 time I like that that page where it's just you know 20 minutes later 45 minutes later an hour sure, later yeah. just them talking about different things and just kind of getting to know each other just just conversation I like that stuff I think I mean the art's not terrible, but I think if the art was really good, I might really enjoy him with the big fish stuff. But as it is, it just feels like the filler stuff to me. Yeah, you know if the art was you know, if the art was really good and I was like wowed by the visuals of it, I just have fun with it probably. But because it's just kind of you know ho hum, it feels like just oh here's a generic actiony thing to it's get into kind the of city. A, a trend with this entire run is, and and this is all the artists whenever they've done. Jackson stuff that's looked a bit off. Hmm. Like, like none of them quite know how to draw him. It seems. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Fair. There's a lot of you know a lot of different variations of Jackson more than anyone else. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's fair. Um. No, nah, I mean it, it, it's painfully okay. I I got really disappointed because yeah. I, I forgot it was a fill in, so I I got to. You know the the credits page at the start. I went, oh, it's not it's not Kelly Sue. We're we're doing other things. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, but the I mean, the book ends. The, the trench are invading Zebel. Uh, so that's a big cliffhanger. Which yeah. is good and bad. Okay, one I really like the trench. They're fun when they mm -hmm. show up. But I like the the mystery and the horror of them. And I think just doing them in a two part fill in takes away a lot. It, it's yeah. going to take away some of the mystique and it's, no, it's overusing but... them a bit. But see, I like here that they, you know, judging from the last issue with when they appeared at the wedding and they seem to be like playing at being, I guess, civilized, you know, because the only time I remember them, they, you know, was in John's as Aquaman. Yeah. Right. And they were just like these savage creatures. But the fact like they have this hierarchy and they're trying to play at being like the Atlanteans and then to see them here doing the complete opposite, you know. I think it's a fun dichotomy between the two of them. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see where it goes, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say on it. It was kind of, I, I, you know, I had this, I, I read the guidebook 
and uh, just sleep first thinking that the guidebook because I, I didn't know what that was going to be like i thought this might be mm-hmm. and it's longer this might be a slog and actually surprisingly it wasn't which is nice and justice league ended up being quite enjoyable so i, I was going oh, that's quite good I, I specifically left aquaman and batman to last because they felt like the more surefire things so when i got to aquaman <laughs> it wasn't kelly so i was like oh oh maybe i should have gotten this out of the way first <laughs> uh so yeah that's what it is uh matt mm. what do you give it aquaman 62 I- i'm gonna give this a, a seven yeah, Connor. Finally, we diverge. Uh, it's a six for me. Yeah, I'm probably more in the six territory this, with this one, I think. So, All right. There you now go. I feel better. <laughs> back, to, back to usual, not overrating things. I know, I know. Yep. Uh, so that will take me on uh, to a Patreon book. So everyone to patreon.com slash TV. Uh, our patrons, one of the higher tiers, can make me or Connor read a book. Um it can be an old book, it can be a non-DC book, and hell, it can even be a book that the all two of us are reading and the first car to read too, sometimes. More uh, on that next week. More on that next week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, so I'm going to read American Vampire issue 9 uh, here, and I'm actually still one, one month behind on these. I, I, I keep meaning to fit an extra one in. Um, and I almost did both of them this week, but I felt that would be cheating because I would inherently talk about each one less because if, if I bundled them together. So I made a conscious choice not to do that. Uh, so I wasn't skimping on the actual you know, t- time spent talking about them. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, don't want Tyler to feel like I'm uh, shortchanging him there. Uh, but this is issue now. This is the end of the, the second arc uh, in American Vampire uh, with Cash. And the, the cliff art in the last issue, of course, was uh, that Cash's father was the, the monstrous vampire that was killing people. Mm-hmm. But notably... Uh, I assumed that he'd been turned, or he wasn't killed, or, or what. It turns out he was already out. Like, his entire life, he was this vampire. Uh, yeah, he's that's... like 900 years old. Yeah, I think 700. Oh, like... 700 was the exact uh, number it, given. It's but... been a while since I read this. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd forgotten this. Uh, so this was really interesting getting into this. And I think really poignant starting with a flashback of how his father adopted him. He was on this orphan train where they'd get off and offer people like orphans <laughs> at the train stations, which really old-timey. Mm-hmm. Uh and no one picks him, but then the sheriff comes in and says, hey, I'll I'll take this kid. Uh, let's deputize him. And it's a really sweet scene. And it's kind of a perfect thing, because it's one of those things where it'd been a few weeks, maybe a month since I'd read the last issue. And, you know, as often with comic books, I'm just kind of remembering what, what the last one ended with. And it was this kind of slow realization as I was reading this opening scene that the last one ended with him being the monster. I'm like, oh, this is actually really bittersweet <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm remembering what happened. Uh, yeah. So really well done in that sense. Uh, this issue has Cash with you know Felicia uh, and the other agent, the, the dude, uh, going to the caves where he suspects his father will be, and we see like the, the love of his life, this other you know vampire, like this 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 race of vampires was wiped out by the other vampires uh, hundreds of years ago. It's kind of like a rare that they found one still existing, and yeah, you know, they have this 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 heart to heart and. Cash wasn't expecting him to be this monster because you know he never killed anyone, and uh, there's a, there a lot of mythology tidbit that he was taking like certain medication for uh, I think it was di- diabetes, but it was actually one of the ingredients was actually helping him like deal with the the sun pain because he, he could be out in the sun, but it would cause great pain. Uh, but he's got an immunity; his skin has an immunity because of this drug that he was taking. Um, but all the the vampires that have been investing in the in the dam and and and, and Vegas show up and want to kill Cash's father and of course Cash isn't happy with this the, the agents have snuck in and uh, Skinner shows up of course uh, and Skinner helps fight these other vampires 
Uh, gorgeous action, obviously Albuquerque's arcs uh, going nuts. It was as worth mentioning the first few pages weren't Albuquerque. I can't remember who it was. I'll get to that in the end because the credits at the end. But mm-hmm. uh, worth mentioning. Uh, uh, great action, swipes, blood. Uh, at one point, there's a. a Fun enough, given the episode of Six Feet Under that me and Cora just talked about yesterday, uh, there's a, a decapitation that's actually from the the mouth up, not the neck up, uh, which is particularly brutal, uh, which I really like. It's good stuff. So, no, a lot of action. It's a really quick read because of that, actually, because there was so much of it was the action and all this stuff. Uh, but things get really dark at the end of the story. Skinner actually kills Cash's father, uh, which is funny because that's what Skinner was accused of doing the entire story. So there's a nice irony that he didn't actually kill him because he couldn't... Well, he can be killed, but not killed in the same way that, you know, they thought he died. And it was more about Cash's father protecting his identity because it, obviously if he's he's not aging so if he's the same person for too long people start to say hey why isn't he getting older and he even says that he really kept this identity a little bit longer than he should have but he wanted to watch his son grow up because he did care about him but ultimately he was at the point where he'd been this character now uh, for like 30 40 years without aging so he kind of had to you know fake his death and go into hiding and you know maybe pop up somewhere else with a new identity uh, so this is the sort of thing you see in a lot of stories. Uh, I mean, I did a, a Twilight Zone episode just uh, from season one of the classic show uh, that has kind of a similar idea in the plot, where there's this immortal guy who has to keep changing his name and moving around yeah. so no one suspects anything. Uh, starring the actor who was in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, if I remember correctly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, so, yeah, the, the big ending, though, is that... Uh, actually, no, there's a detail here we have to can't overlook is that uh, one of them tries to bite Felicia book and like mm-hmm. rescinds in horror and says, "Oh God, what are you?" Uh, so I think that's worth mentioning uh, for for future. Uh, definitely not the last we've seen of her. Uh, I'm I'm positive I remember a bit more of her. <laughs> she also feels important. Yeah, <laughs> it's book, kind of yeah a big thing. the last name book is very important. In oh, of course, yeah. From what I remember, so even if it's not her that legacy you know she'll play into so, yeah. yeah uh so they, they they go after skinner uh cash and felicia uh she's got obviously a special gun or the gun's not special but the bullets are special uh bullets for mm. the vampires but she's got a couple of golden bullets which will hurt skinner uh, and they play a little bit of trick on him because they actually switch guns so that skinner thinks that she's got the, the gun that will kill him uh, but it's actually him so he, so he does get shot but that's really dark he's, he's he's got cash's wife his pregnant wife and he's threatening yeah. to inject her with his blood and the dark end here is that you don't really know for sure like if he really gets to do it or not before he gets shot but the epilogue stuff which is super dark yeah Skinner does get away he's pulled out the bullet uh you know Felicia sort of left sort of standing there and in the epilogue montage we see like the the POV of the birth you know the the, the classic looking up at the the doctor and you know Cash is there mm-hmm. um and it sounds really dark and the last page of the story is Cash like wandering with a, a sort of sack over his back with clearly a, a child who is also a monster in, in his sack. It's, it's clearly some sort of vampire-esque monster. The exact yep. makeup of it, I mean, is open for debate, but we'll see. Yep, yep. And I'm assuming Matt's remembering, because I don't remember. Uh, no, no, I, I, I know, because I talked to Snyder about this. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Because I, I told him how much I enjoyed that arc being, you know, born and raised here and it was set there during the 20s and stuff mm. and he had said at the time as before second cycle came out 
he had a lot more planned for for those characters going mm-hmm. forward and whatnot. Uh, and of course, I don't want to spoil this for people that don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So more stuff happens with Cash down the line and and stuff. So yeah, it's yeah, worth man, mentioning it's... at the end he's actually walking the snow. He's in Colorado, and mm-hmm. he's uh, not in Vegas anymore. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting, like, obviously, image shift because obviously everything so far in this story has all been desert and, you know, oranges and mm-hmm. yellows and whatever. And we have this white. It actually, do we give me vibes off at the end when he's walking? Not in tone or anything, but just the visual. And I guess because of the time period as well, because it's relatively close to when it was made, but it was giving me Invisible Man vibes. The original Invisible Man, there's a lot of him wandering in the yeah. snow. Um, So just him walking around with the sack in the snow was giving me Invisible Man vibes, of all things. But uh, that last panel is great. When you just see like, the, the two eyes and the darkness of the, the sack, out, yeah. yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, yeah. It's really good stuff. Um, now, uh, the, the issue is really solid. I've liked the arc a lot. Um, is it better than the first arc? I mean, that's so hard to say. I I, I think Pearl's story is such the classic, you know, girl gets mm-hmm. taken and then gets revenge. There's just, but I think it's, it builds it so well in the mythology between both arcs. And Skinner really like as a bastard you feel like he's kind of on pearl's yep. side at points but god damn he's a bastard by the end of this story and what he's done to this yeah, kid well, yeah exactly you never anytime you find yourself rooting for skinner you got to think about am i a horrible person right because you know something bad is coming down the way like it's yeah. sweet like obviously so... at times he's fighting a lot of other villains so you're kind of like yeah mm-hmm. he's good enough to take them on so you're kind of rooting he's... for him but yeah he's definitely chaotic neutral he's out for himself or neutral evil, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, I don't. I'm not good at these, but he definitely is is out for himself more than anybody, you know. So if he's gonna back, you know, backstab somebody, he's gonna do it. And yeah, oh man, you, you get to reread. Although I might, I can do it too. But survival of the fittest <laughs> and that whole arc set during World War Two. Oh man, yeah, yeah, big fan. Um, and that's at the end of the third trade, so I'll be going straight on to issue 10 next, I believe. Uh, yep. So, uh, now I'm looking forward to it. I'm enjoying rereading this, and obviously I remember a lot of characters, I remember some stuff, but uh, there's definitely a lot of details I've forgotten over time. So, no, it's good stuff. I mean, I'm enjoying working through it. So, Tyler's nice to me and makes me read a good book, which is excellent news. Uh, so, uh, you, you say that like he doesn't make me read a good book. That's true, but you also have David making you read a terrible book. Uh, no, I have that on top of that, but that's not Tyler's fault. And then you also have to read Action Comics next week, which is really, really funny. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. wait—is he having to jump in? Yep. Or does he have to go back? Yep. Oh, he's no, jumping in. He's issue. reading. The, he's reading the issue we're doing. Oh, dude, I feel so bad. I'm not even gonna laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> yep. Uh, I have to think of myself as chaotic good. Uh, uh, <laughs> on, a, on a good day. Chaotic good. Maybe chaotic neutral. I push. I'll, I'll give you that. Chaotic neutral at best. <laughs> I'm not evil. I, I've got a heart of gold. Oh, no, no. If we have to take out Pete, it's probably with gold bullets. That's all. <laughs> he has a heart of gold. There you go. There Anyways, you go. tell us about Undiscovered Country 7. Well, let me introduce it there. So, yeah, Patreon book next for Connor. Undiscovered Country issue 7. Uh, I don't know why I insisted on doing that, because I don't even have the creators written down. But, yeah, uh, I was running like you never usually do. Yeah, uh, uh, on you go, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's Snyder and Soul writing, uh, Cameron Coley on art, but also joined by uh, Leonardo Grassi this time, who uh, I'm not familiar with. Uh, but I just thought it was notable because it's, it's all been Cameron Coley up to this point on his own. Uh, so this is 
the start of the second arc. And uh, if you recall, we left the last arc with them getting out of the, the Destiny zone. They were on the train, they got through into the next zone. And uh, Dr. Elgin, the, you know, the old, the old uh, you know, I want you soldier guy uh, that, that's been kind of guiding them, mm-hmm. uh, died. That, that was the end of the last arc. Uh, he got shot as they were going through the, the tunnels. Uh, and this issue actually opens with a flashback to 21 years ago. And this is kind of a lot like the history of this current state of America. This is uh, Elgin uh, as a younger man, along with the, the Graves' parents, both doctors. And they're going for a meeting with the uh, the entire U.S. government, as it is right now, which is uh, all 13 zones, I believe. Uh, yeah, out of the 13 United Sovereign Territories, seven zones are present so far. So that's what we got here for the meeting. And then uh, representatives, the others, kind of show up. Uh, you got uh, Destiny, Unity, Valor, Conquest, Capital, and Bounty, uh, the seven that it, it lists uh, as the zones. Uh, but again, this is just setting up just what this world is right now. And uh, Elgin's here to basically complain, because Elgin and the, uh, the, the Graves represent Aurora. And they seem to be kind of an organization, perhaps that are guiding America right now. And he, he's got a box with, uh, and, and what he pulls out is actually a, one of the, the lizard fish uh, crossbreed mutations that we saw in the first arc. And he's basically, you know, he's like, no, I'm really alarmed by this because uh, the people in Destiny have been bioengineering outside of our advice. And they kind of hit back going, kind of, that's the whole point of this, this, you know, America right now is, uh, you know, each of the 13 zones gets complete autonomy. There is, you know, federalism is completely dead. Uh, you know, we, we do whatever we want. No regulation, uh, no, li- little to no regulation, no taxation, no gun laws, and no zone unity. Uh, so it's it's a whole world world right now, uh, is kind of the idea. And the implication is Aurora uh, pushed for this. They, they, they started it. Uh, this was their idea. But now Elgin's kind of getting worried. Things are going too far. And he's worried about uh, Zone Bounty's cyclotronic generators. And, you know, they're experimenting with them and they're going off books and pushing them further than they are. And he warns that if this goes wrong, uh, something could go wrong with time itself, which is obviously uh, clearly something does go wrong because time itself has been very screwed up uh, in the first half. So there's been a lot of the setting. Uh, this is like the first, I don't know, eight, nine pages of the book. And it's all just this backstory. And it's, probably my favorite part of the issue it's absolutely fascinating stuff just the history of this world and just kind of the the ideas they're playing at and you know the 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 root problems with america is kind of what this book is looking at uh, and it's it's so interesting but then we do cut back to the the main cast uh, for the rest of the issue uh, they're on the train uh, elgin a couple others you know lying dead uh, and, and they've got to keep going. Um, the journalist talks to you know the the, the grave store. And, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I know, I know you, you you felt like I didn't shouldn't have stabbed you with that uh, with that cure for the uh, the sky disease, but heh, I just did what I felt like was necessary. But I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, and she's like, you know, what? it's all right. You know, uh, I guess I'm alive. I can't really be too mad. And um, and she hands a uh, you know the, the journalist hands uh, her a a journal of some sorts it seems to be it's a little pocketbook notebook uh mm-hmm. one of the ring binder ones that flips over 
uh, like a journalist pad that you'd see, actually. And she says she found it uh, on Sam's body, so I think she'd want you or Daniel to have it. Uh, so the strong implication is that this is from their parents. Um, but we don't actually see what it is or what's in it. Um, but it should be interesting. But they, they get out of the tunnel, they're on the train, and they're in the new zone. I'm not sure what zone this is off the top of my head. I don't remember. I don't know if they know. I actually know. Uh, I think it was on the map last time, though, to be honest. Um, but they come out in this forest, this white, bleached white forest. Um, uh, the trees, all the, the trunks are bleached white, but they've got like these red and blue veins running up them. So, you know, it's red, white, and blue. You know, very right. clear imagery. And then these strands of like ribbon, like silk ribbon almost, start coming out of the ground. Like they're, they're flapping and, you know, and swooping and going all around the train and they, they derail it. And it's, you have no idea what this is. It's, it's completely coming out of the, the, the ground entirely. And then the, the ground, you know, they, they get off the train, they get out of the way, and the ground swallows the train. It's like it's eating the train. And, and they're, they're all kind of horrified. They're talking about how they're a bit stuck. Uh, you know, and, and this white, whatever they are, it's it looks kind of like snow, but it's like it's, like it's warm and they can feel it pulsing. And it's like, what the hell are they in it? I'm, I'm kind of getting it's it almost just kind of spider silky, it's kind of the impression I'm getting, but uh, you know, on a huge, huge scale. Uh, but I don't know for certain. And uh, just interspersed with this, there's actually a flashback again, uh, to the graves father. Uh, talking to Elgin. Uh, so, hey, you know, if you don't stop what you're doing, you know, pushing this, they're going to arrest you. And if that doesn't stop you, they will kill you. You know that, right? And, you know, Elgin's like, yeah, I know. And and obviously this is cutting into where we know he's he's died in the present day. He's got this far. Uh, and then we have the the final pages is, uh, you know, uh, Daniel's you know, getting a bit grabbed by the, uh, the, the strands, but manages to break out quickly and, and start running. And then a figure uh, comes out of the trees he's, he's dressed like a you know a white suit with these you know red eyes he's got like this mask on and he takes off the mask and it's my name is dr Sel sam elgin and i want you to save america and it's the whole thing again and it's like wait what how many how many copies of this guy are there are they, are they clones are they is it time travel like you know what i don't know what shenanigans they're playing with here but i'm here for it it's a lot of fun uh, and yeah the uh just the history of this world what they're delving into is by far the most fascinating part for me, even though it's, I, I, I feel like I should be more interested in the present day story, uh, but it's, while that's solid and I'm enjoying it, just the history of this world and the, the thematic elements of it are where it's shining for me right now. Um, but it's a, it's a really great issue. It's a solid eight. Cool. Cool. Uh, more fandom updates. Uh, there's some mm -hmm. images there's some leaked images from the Batman trailer, and I have to laugh because his hair in one of them looks like Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man 3 when he's all, uh, symbiote like, crazy emo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure it's just a bad image, just not, like, you know, a bad still taken from the middle of a moment, but still, it's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, we had the Suicide Squad roll call. Yeah, uh, the Harley Quinn costume is easily the best one they've had in the movie. It's, it's very reminiscent of the new one that she's getting in the Suicide Squad book. Uh, it, it looks Tom a lot Taylor like uh, the the recent Injustice Two costume, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the 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 kind of the, the leather outfit. Yeah, but it's red yeah. and black. Finally, it's not like she's not in a crop top. She's not in whatever yeah. weird thing she was wearing in Birds of Prey. 
that stupid yellow suit or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. Um, hey, I, I'd, I'd like that. Me too. I guess with birds, it felt like very incidental that she was just wearing what she had. This feels more, you know, it's an actual costume as opposed to yeah. what saying, you know, uh, in birds, it was just what she had lying around. And, you know, it was just every day, <laughs> so, and that's kind of what that movie was. Yeah, I I have a deep knowledge of DC characters, and I didn't recognize half of the people. Yeah, that these people are playing in there, which is a good sign. Which means which they're going to die. Gun, well, yeah, and Gunn <laughs> did his homework because, like, I'm familiar with a name like Peacemaker, who apparently seen as playing, um, and and Mongal Mongal is showing yes. up in the movie. Like, oh, apparently uh, during the panel, uh, Gunn kept referencing the Ostrander run. Mm. Okay, so cool. I think that's where he's taking a lot of his influence from. Perfect. But yeah, it it looks pretty cool. I'm gonna have to watch it with with sound because as Connor was talking about in Discovered Country, is not not that I'm trying to be rude, but this is a book I plan on reading. Um, uh, I so get I'm it. I'm trying I not to it. spoil. Yeah, 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 too much. But I was watching it without sound, and I was like, oh man. Um, and uh, and yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Nathan Fillion's playing someone called TDK, who for the life of me, I can't figure out. It's clearly That's... the Dark Knight. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, okay. So I assume we'll have actually more juicy stuff to talk about next week. But, uh, yeah, so we'll get to the part of the show then where we pick our favourites of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, top five books, although in this case it's only going to be top four, or three, depending on how many you read. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so we'll start off with best uh, uh, panel slash moment, Matt, if you want to stick us away. So, so mine's from the, the Ivy story in Night Shocker. Um, is it the Mad Max the panel? It's the it's the Mad Max panel. There you go. It's, it's fantastic. It, it's you have the contrasting colors and just she's she's this bright green against the yellow and there's a lot of negative space. It looks great. That's weird, Connor. Yeah, mine is it, it is also that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mean, yeah. I could have been tempted, but just for the sake of being different, uh, let me. Yeah, go elsewhere here. The uh, only other thing that even came close this week wasn't even a DC book for me. So sure, you know. Um, well, I'm not going to pick American Vampire as much as it was temptation. Oh no, to it, I mean it wasn't even something on this. Uh, it was it was a uh, a page in Once and Future which did a a homage to a movie that it, it kind of it referenced it in the dialogue early in the issue, and mm-hmm. it was like okay, whatever. And then they did a big visual gag with it later that made me laugh very loudly at one a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said it like that. That was weird. Uh, so, now, uh, I will go with the look on Punchline's face when Joker says maybe it's time to kill Harley, because mm. I thought that was a really standout moment. I mean, really, it's the Ivy panel, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just being different. <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, so, cool. Uh, best cover of the week. I'll dive in here first. Uh, a couple of good variants this week. Uh, Aquaman's is pretty nifty. Justice League is pretty nifty. But I have to go with the Matina Batman one, which, to be honest, Matina, when he does Batman covers, tends to have a good chance of winning for it, me. But It says a lot that the Matina Batman cover is my fourth choice this week. Oh. Uh, okay, go on. I mean, out of the others, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to narrow it down so like, it's the Justice League variant, the Aquaman variant, or the uh, the guidebook variant, the Dodson's cover, is, is fantastic. Um... The Matina one is, is good, but it's okay. It's powerful the call for Matina. Uh, you know, it's it's just, uh, it's good. Um, I think I'll go with the, the Justice League one. I, I like Darren. All right, Matt? Yeah, mine's the guidebook, Dodson's. 
I can't get enough Dodsons this week. So I, I read uh, Adventure Man, and it was, everything was great. I really so, need to treat, read that, don't I? Yes, you do. It's so good. Uh, well, I got to read the third issue. But uh, when I was looking through the the variants, I was like, oh, okay. Well, this looks great. Uh, Dotson's with with uh, John Harley and and Wonder Woman. Like it's good. Also, the regular cover too is not bad. It looks. It does look like an album cover for a metal yeah. band that I would definitely listen to. Jasmine Putri one, right? Yeah. Yeah. We uh, did a lot of the deceased variants. All right, Matt. What's your cover? The cover is the the guidebook variant. The Dodsons. Sure. Alright, uh, then best art of the week. Connor can start us off. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit unfair, because Dark Knight... Screw it, I'll go, I'll go with the Dark Knight's guidebook. I like all of them. Uh, some more than others, but I think all of them outshine, you know, Batman is, is very good. Uh, Aquaman, I don't think, really holds up to the other two choices here for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Dark Knight... The the uh, you know the, the guidebook. I think it has enough in there that, that and no, no one's bad that it drags it below Batman. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Batman's pretty great, and the guidebook's also pretty. And I actually think just like Robson Rocky and just like Robson Rocky, of course, so you've seen his work. You know what he's like. Uh, I think for the most part, it's really good as well. Uh, I'm having a tough time deciding if I want to give it to the collection of art from Guidebook versus obviously the consistent because uh, I think maybe what's got against Guidebook for me is that the first story which is the most pages is probably the least favourite of my art in that book so I think based on that I'm going to go with Batman but uh, it's, a, it's an awkward choice to be honest uh, Matt what are you giving? Uh, I'm going with Jimenez I mean you guys have already said what I was going to say about the Guidebook that mm-hmm. it is a very nice collection but it is you know they're all different uh, I mean Clunan's was was up there, so it was the Passerin and the, the Ivy story. But Jimenez and what he does with the facial expressions with Joker and Punchline and Bruce and Harley, like it's it really is a storytelling key there. Like he's working just as hard as Tynan is with the the words. So yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Topics of the week then, Matt, go. So uh number one is Batman, which weird. Um number two is I gotta Relook and try to remember myself. Oh, number two is the guidebook. And number three is Aquaman. Man. That's okay. three books. There you go. Uh, Connor. <laughs> uh, same order. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, my number one is. That's actually quite tough for me between Batman and Justice League, which is a nice thing in a way, but it's kind of weird. Uh, I'll probably go Batman, Justice League, Guidebook, and then Aquaman's in last place. Just kind of... To be honest, the, 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 the top three, though, were all pretty... They're reasonably close. Uh, so, cool. I mean, for a small week, I guess, it's nice to have a couple of uh, solid things to talk about. Uh, this is where I'll tell you, though, what's coming next week on the show, uh, along with whatever news we get from fandom, now that we're wrapping up the show, because we don't really have time for any more. I mean, unless there's something that breaks in, like immediately. Um... But coming next week from DC Comics is Detective Comics 1026. Uh, obviously, we've not been doing that, but we will be looking at 1027 because that's a big special issue with lots of stories in it. Uh, so that's coming soon. Uh, but The Flash 760 is out next week. Action Comics 1024, which all three of us will be reading. Yes, uh, I will be jumping yeah. into The House of Kent Part 3. <laughs> uh, um, buddy, I'm sorry. 
I'm not. Wonder Woman Seven Six One's coming out. Red Hood Outlaw Forty Eight. Batgirl Forty Eight. Teen Titans Annual Number Two. Uh, Batman Three Jokers a show one, of course, kind of been the big main event of the week. Uh, Just League Dark Twenty Five. Batman Superman Eleven. Batman Beyond Forty Six. John Constantine Hellblazer Issue Nine. The Question: The Deaths of Vic Sage Issue Four. Also, really looking forward to that. Legion of Superheroes Issue Eight. Suicide Squad Issue Eight. So I was a exciting the Tom Taylor books coming out. Plunge issue six, the final issue. Or is that seven issues? That may be seven. No, I think it's plunge, plunge, no, plunge six. Plunge six, okay. So that's the last issue of that. That's cool. Yep, last issue. Uh, and then, obviously, a little bit more tangential, these ones, but I'll just mention Books of Magic 22, The Last God, issue eight, and Amethyst issue five are also coming out. So, mm-hmm. uh, very cool. Uh, so, bigger week next week. We've got plenty to talk about, which is nice. Um, so, uh, no questions, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, uh, we've got like 10 books between us plus news and some of those books are meaty size oh yeah three jokers is going to be a conversation uh no, 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 no doubt about that uh so and hell even get a jeff johns comics a bit of a special occasion now these days yeah uh so mm-hmm. uh, so so that's cool uh so that we'll, we'll see you next time for that uh, i will take this time to thank our patreon producers uh for the month of august so thank you to allison m fordice tyler hess cindy palaces david sharp born zammer jammer al tribesman christopher moy and brett williams uh you're all patreon producers so thank you very much uh, that last one in particular brett williams is the one who's making connor redaction comics so <laughs> he's my favorite <laughs> don't know what he's getting out of that but <laughs> <laughs> that tone right to there be Pete's favorite that's yeah what it is. it's be my favorite do that's... you really want that though like that is like know being a really shitty teacher's pet <laughs> i i think you underestimate my uh, stature amongst the the male fuzz tv community i underestimate nothing all right <laughs> so uh yes if you want to be supporters of course of patreon you don't have to be a, a patreon producer you can support us for as little as one dollar per month and get some exclusives for your trouble. At the $5 tier in particular, you get early access to comics from the multiverse, and previously in the multiverse, the show where me and Connor talk about old uh, DC comic runs, uh, you get those one day early uh, on Patreon, so please go and have a look and see if you're interested in helping keeping all the content coming. You can support us for free, of course, though, if you're on YouTube by hitting the like button. Uh, it helps us out a lot, and more people will find us that way. Same idea if you're on uh, iTunes or wherever, you can rate the podcast and give us a, a review, you know, give us a five-star review, more people will find us. Uh, so and obviously shares on Twitter things like that. You get us on Twitter, of course, at DC Comics Podcast uh, for updates and and all sorts. Uh, so go and have a look at that. Uh, but otherwise, that's pretty much all the things that I have to uh, promote. Uh, I'll just say that the Boys season two is coming soon, and me and Connor will be reviewing that on Mailfuzz TV, the YouTube channel. If you if you listen to the podcast version, sounded like you said the Boys season two, and I was like, what did I miss? No, the Boys, Amazon Prime's yeah. The Boys. Yep. Based on the comic book by Garth Ennis. Uh, we have also been reviewing Umbrella Academy. Yeah, that's almost done. We've, we've got, uh, I mean, episode 9 reviews started to go out, but we've recorded that, so just 10 for us to review now, but uh, that'll be done very shortly. Uh, and if you want the audio podcast version of those, there is the Almost Cancelled TV audio podcast, where all of the TV reviews that me and Connor do go on as an audio feed, so you can get that there too, if you're interested. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, that is uh, that is everything. That's episode 215 of comments from the multiverse uh so join us for the fandom fallout edition next week and let's get a ring to it i mean just the title next week to be honest watch there be nothing oh i know there might be like literally all the things we've had so far outside of the the actual trailer for the batman which i'm sure we'll talk about like that may be it depending 
but thank you very much once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Go Knights, go. Right, Connor? Hell yeah.